0: Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? Besides fucking awesome, RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group's about networking and getting deals done. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks, all right? No smell of stale coffee, disappointment, you know what I'm talking about. I've been smoking for 50 years. I used to do real estate once. None of that shit, right? RDI has also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, uh, now's the time, hey, give it a like, man. It's a free podcast. Share it with your friends, anybody you think would enjoy it. If you wouldn't mind, I'd really appreciate it if you rate it on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, all that stuff really does help. If you have any questions or suggestions... Leave a comment, send me a message, go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. <coughs> Sorry about that. At Jeremy Burgess, hit me up on Twitter. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. Legal disclaimer. It's not me, man. It's the world. Quit Quit voting in dumbasses. We don't have to do this. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment and or investment decisions, you put on your big girl or big boy pants, grow to fuck up, contact a lawyer, an attorney, or other licensed professionals, be an adult, and don't fucking sue me. All right? Show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investor Show Quote of the Week, where I try and pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I hope Josh is okay with this because I picked an interesting one this time. So we shall let the reader answer this question for himself. And in 2016, it could be herself too. All right. Who is the happier man? He who has braved the storm and lived or he who has stayed securely on shore and merely existed? Hunter S. Thompson. My man. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Josh Sterling. Hey, Josh.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: All right. So, man, you've done some shit. So here we go. Phase one, 1983 to 2007. (laughs) Grew up in Lake Tahoe, California. Left in 2001 for college in Daytona Beach, Florida. Become an airline pilot like a boss. Graduated top of the class and was hired on at the airlines right out of school. 22 years old. Bought a condo for his primary residence. Thought everything was awesome. And he'd done everything right. I remember what that used to feel like. I'm so smart. Oh, yeah. I know all this shit. 22. Invincible. Phase 2, 2008, realized I was making $30,000 a year at the airlines after company downsizing and lots of instability. Managed to accrue $175,000 in student loans. Good Lord.
2: Yeah, that sucked.
0: And I was paying for it. Realized I bought my condo at the top of the market and was $100,000 upside down. That sucked, too. Wait, that's everybody else's fault, right? Yeah. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, send your money. No, just kidding. Phase 3, 2009, the president. Uh My wife, girlfriend at the time, decided to move to Florida, and we tried to rent her house out, which was also upside down. Saw how much easier it was to rent than we anticipated. They did a good job, obviously. Light bulb went off, and he realized, huh, they're giving away housing here in southeast Michigan, and they were. It was a great time, man. They still are, too, I think.
2: Yeah, we're still buying.
0: Yeah, in comparison. Uh <laughs> So you like a fine American, uh, scrimp saved. And use 0% credit cards, enough to buy a $40,000 turnkey rental. And, of course, many mistakes were made, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. And then it started dawn on, on you that you could probably do it better and cheaper yourself. You did the whole thing, right? So mm-hmm. you started doing that. After you had seven houses, obtained a commercial blanket loan and walk from the closing with $100,000 cash money. Was that in a suitcase, cash money?
1: Ching. It was just in a bank account, but I blew through it like it was in a suitcase. <laughs>
0: Did you put your girl? Never mind. I'll ask that one after. That's, that's my plan for my first $100,000 deal. I've had a $75,000 deal. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm digressing. Sorry. Um, got another 150 K on another commercial blanket loan to do the same. Somewhere in there, he started epic property management because no one could manage as well as you could. Learned that hiring people and putting systems in place is a key to success and that almost all investors are missing this key component. I can verify that. Me being one of them, especially uh, post minus two years ago. And then rinse and repeat and up to 131 units today.
1: 132. 32. Yeah, they just keep coming.
0: Hey, you sent me this like a month ago. You only (laughs) bought one more? I
1: know.
0: I'm trying. That's my fault. All right. Then rinse and repeat. And starting to work on some syndicated deals. Am I allowed to say that? Oh,
1: yeah. Sure thing. With, I got with, all kinds of interesting stuff we're playing with now.
0: Yeah. A potential 55 unit apartment building on the way in er, late er, March.
1: Er, that one didn't go through. Ugh. Oh, but well. You win some, you lose some.
0: Yeah, that happens. Sorry, I should check with you first. So, that's all right. I'll go talk to about Epic. the failures too. Yeah, there, there are plenty of those. EpicPropertyManagement.com. Go there, check them out. EpicPropertyManagement.com. 734 225 6934. Josh. I've been looking forward to this one. I wanted to get deep into the double digits before I did this like little question and answer interview. You you made the shit. Oh, here's my wife. Thank you. She went and got coffee. Thank you, baby Major Jesus. I needed that. <laughs> I was gonna be late. We came from a networking event at the Detroit Athletic Club. It was oh, supposed great. to end at one, and he was still talking at one thirty, and I'm like I'm not making Josh wait. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. You know, my <laughs> wife cried a little on the inside and died, but I'm like, we're not going to be late. <sighs> how old are you now, Josh? I'm
1: 32.
0: 32. Still a young man. How does one go from, first of all, how does an airline pilot only make 30,000? Uh, uh, it's
1: sad, man. You think it would be th- this great gig? Uh, I got into it. I knew the the pay was low at the, what they call the regional airlines, the kind of lower level. Um, I was flying a 90-seat jet, though. I mean, I was flying everything in North America. Uh, We do Canada, Mexico, Caribbean, East, West Coast. Um, You got to get to that major airline level. And unfortunately, it's pretty tough to get there because they keep making the regional airlines fly larger and larger airplanes. So the airplane I was flying was basically like a DC-9 replacement, but we were making thirty grand a year in the right seat of that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was
0: pretty bad. 90 souls on board. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're flying – how much does a DC nine cost?
1: Um, the I was flying a CRJ nine, which is it was a we were configured at like between seventy six and eighty seats depending on the setup I believe, um, and I think that was a somewhere in the thirty million dollar range for an airplane.
0: So you're in charge um, of a thirty million dollar plane, seventy to ninety souls for oh, yeah. thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah,
1: that would be first officer. So you if you do upgrade to captain like I was at one point, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it in the. In the biography, that's when I really thought I had it made. I was making like sixty grand a year at Ooh.
0: that point.
1: I, I actually did think I was on top of the world. Um
0: Well you but, can do were well, but
1: sixty grand a year, you're like twenty three years old, you've bought this you bought your own place to live, you're flying around the country. I thought it was pretty good at the time. Um but then, you know, the, the instability isn't even factored into that. So Uh, yeah, it's just not a good gig
0: (laughs) and $175,000. And how how do you even get that kind of debt for, Uh, I mean,
1: I don't know. I guess they were giving away student loans to everybody. I don't know if that's still the case, but I didn't have any trouble getting them. Wow. So, um, I had a little bit of help from some aunts and uncles and a little bit from my parents. We're talking maybe 20 grand total in help, but it's about a $200,000 schooling for that. Wow. Um, Flight training is
0: expensive. That is crazy. What is yeah. the top of the market on that though? Could you like make up to 100, uh, so maybe, my Yeah, or? my
1: goal, you get to the, the major airlines and to the wide body airplanes, you can still make 250, 300 a okay. year. But that path to get there is a big, uh, a big bumpy road and you may never, it's not, it's not linear. You may fall off like I did and, and get a 50% pay cut. Um, if your Whoa. airline goes under, I went from 60 grand a year to 30 grand a year with three weeks notice. That's what was my kick in the butt to get into real estate. So probably the best thing that ever happened to me. But uh,
0: same job, same everything. You're just now it, doing it. I for went from half. being
1: a captain to a first officer. So I am still flying the same airplane. Just now I was flying in the seat three inches over that way for half the money. <laughs> and yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> but good. It, it, blessing in disguise, right?
0: It, well, yeah, absolutely. But somebody, somebody at corporate took your file folder and moved it from the left into the right. And that means you get half now. Half. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. Well, I know the airline business is just absolutely cutthroat, too. I'm terrible. A, I remember reading, um, Richard Branson's book, um, Losing My Virginity. <laughs> and if that doesn't make you mad at government, I literally don't know what to will. Right. So I can only imagine what's like in a more competitive atmosphere. That's yeah, tough. It, it probably is ruthless and cutthroat. So you're 22 riding high, you go from 60 to 30 and you're doing the same job. And that was, was there anything before that that made you think that maybe I need to do something different or was that really what? Did that it? was,
1: I mean, it, it was, we're probably, I'm probably 25, 26 at this point. I'd been in the airlines a couple of years thinking that I just, this was what I wanted to be and waiting for that job at the majors where you can, you know, get to a hundred thousand a year, get to 200,000 a year. You cap out a, a 250-ish, let's say. So I, I'd worked my way up to that and I did start to get tired of the, the travel. I mean, you're gone, even though you only maybe work 14, 15 days a month. That was pretty average for us, sometimes as little as ten days a month. Um, you're gone. You're, and when you're gone, you're away. You're gone four or five days at a time. That got pretty old. Um, I would have probably stuck it out. If it wasn't for that big pay cut, that was the real eye opener. I knew it was unstable, but at that point it was just it's just defeating. I'd done everything right. I mean, I got I graduated at top of my class in school. I was probably maybe fourth sumo cum lot of my class. I was you know, I, I busted my butt in, in school to get here and I done everything right. I bought my own place to live in and just a combination of everything you do in life that you're told you're supposed to do. And it didn't work out. And it, it made me open my eyes and, and say, I got to do something different.
0: Yeah. It's a man. What's well, a, that's one of those strange, um, events that happen like similar in my life. Uh, although I had to wreck it a little worse in years, but. Sometimes you don't change until the pain of changing is less than the pain of staying the same, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the unique <laughs> things about being a, a space primate on this planet, right? I'm just going to wait until it's way worse. Of course, I wasn't thinking that at the time, right? And yeah, if they, I could do it
1: again, I wouldn't be going to college. I'd take no. that couple hundred yeah. thousand dollars, and I'd be riding real good right now. Be but. Riding,
0: be buying real estate. <laughs>
1: I didn't uh,
0: $100 bills right out the oh yeah right around the apartment you want flying oh, yeah. around in a circle. <laughs> I got money you want to sell. That'd be awesome. We should do that. <laughs> so what was you take the pay cut and you decide you have to do something. You could have done anything though really. There's yeah. lots and you're a smart. I, dude.
1: I did. I, I did other things I actually. Uh,
0: okay. What did you do? Into,
1: I'd had an offer to be an air traffic controller right out of college as well um, and at the time I, I, I went through the process while I was waiting for the airline uh, hiring thing to come around for you know, it was only really a couple months maybe and i um and i basically just stop them dead in their tracks. I just stopped responding to this lady's phone calls for the hiring process for the FAA. Cause I was going to be an airline pilot and I didn't get yeah. anybody else. I, I mean, I just blew them off. It was Balder. terrible. It, yeah. it was stupid really. And so fast what? forward,
2: are you
0: saying you're stupid as a young 22 year old man? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, uh, here. <laughs> four years later, I realized this airline thing isn't all it's cracked up to be. And, and I'm just, I'm racking my brain for what I can do. Like you said, I got to do something. So I, Air traffic controllers are making $150,000 a year. I'm like, what was I thinking four years ago? I'm going to call this lady back and see if I can still get in the door here. And I call back the same lady that I just off oh, four years ago. That's why
0: you don't do that, right? Oh,
1: you know what? She – Sure, no problem. Uh, can you get to Chicago and take the test you need to take to enter? What a great uh, lady. Yeah, she hooked yeah. me up. So good job. I, Do you know what you know, her name was? I don't recall, but that's okay. Uh, good job. She's out there lady. saving idiots like me. Yeah, you're so, doing good work. <laughs> that's it. I got in. I got this. Now it's a way better paying job. It took a little while to get to that pay scale, but this is huge. I felt like I won the lotto here. This is like a, you know, six times pay raise. So this is looking good. It's going to take me a couple years to get there. And, and this real estate thing was, it was, you know, like I, like I just, you said in the introduction, uh they're giving houses away pretty much we tried renting a couple of these out the demand was there i think i always try to think back what was my initial fear renting properties out and, and i'd heard all the stereotypical rental problems no one's gonna ever want to rent your property it'll sit vacant yeah. for months people are gonna destroy it well as i had those one or two going i realized that's not the case at all i have people beating down my door to rent this property uh, you know, I mean, I remember our first one, we posted it on like Craigslist. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, we went out bowling and, and I got back to the car and I had like 17 calls on my phone <laughs> in two hours. And I'm, well, I guess we priced that one too low, but the demand was there. And that was always what I feared is that they would sit, you hear them sitting vacant for months at a time. I've never found that to be the case. In fact, even today, if we have a property sit vacant for more than three days, we're, it's like, emergency problem. You know, we need to get this thing. We need to get this thing filled.
0: Dude. I like that attitude. Three days is too long.
1: We listed our property last week. We had 32 showings in three days on it. And that's what it should be. We want that demand. You can pick your tenants that way.
0: So how did you, but how did you get into, to real estate? So you switched from being an, a regional airline pilot, right? and you went to air traffic control.
1: Yes. And it, by the time I went to air traffic, I already had five rentals. Oh, so I was already in the process. All right.
0: So sorry. Let's back up. Let's back so, up. So, yeah. So they dropped you from 60 to 30,000. You're doing mm-hmm. the same job just in the right hand seat instead yep. of left hand seat. Right. And when did you, when did you buy your first, um, real estate, uh, right? Investment in real estate. Right
1: when they gave me that pay cut, that's when I started applying, getting back into the air traffic gig, but it took another nine months to actually okay. show up and start. And even then I only started at like 50 grand a year. You had to work your way up. Um, so right then, in that nine month period when I was waiting to transition jobs and I thought this, this air traffic job was coming about, I started buying rentals. We, we started scraping money together. Uh, in that process, my wife had that our, our true first rental was, her upside-down house in in right down the road here in, in Southgate. Um, she moved to Florida where I had this condo, and uh, we rented that. And that was what the light went off. This was all right in that time period, mm-hmm. right after this pay yeah. cut. Um, and then we started – it was actually 0% credit cards mostly. We scrimped and saved a few bucks. I'd like to say I just w- had all this money sitting there, but we were using 0% credit cards and lending club loans. Our first five houses were like that. We were just scraping money from everywhere. And looking back, it seems kind of risky, but – if I hadn't have done that, I would have never got into it, which is the reason why when people tell me I, I talk to people who make all kinds of money, you know, 80, 90, 100 grand a year. And they say they don't have the money to get into this. And I'm I just think that's bullshit. I did it with one hundred and seventy five grand student loans, one hundred thousand dollar upside on mortgage making 30 grand a year because I was willing to roll the dice. I had nothing to lose.
0: I find that people with excuses have more excuses uh-huh. and yeah, they could have <laughs> I, I've had people making over $200,000 a year tell me they can't afford to invest Absolutely. and I just look at him like no you." well I believe you can't but I don't think there's any amount so how did uh, what is the lending club uh, what, what is that
1: just another high rate short term loan um it's something along the I had good credit, so I think it, that was the one thing I had going from me. was I did have good credit um it was somewhere around the rate of like nine and a half, ten percent, something like that. Uh, three. That's not too bad. It wasn't terrible, but if you have crappy credit, it goes up to it could be like eighteen percent. It gets pretty high. Yeah. But either way, it's a what gets you. It's a three year payback. I think it was three to five. Some it was a short term loan. So the payments on this, let's say, I think we got like a twenty one thousand dollar loan. It was almost enough to buy a whole house at the time that we were going to rehab. The payments might have been seven or eight hundred dollars a month on that, so yeah. really there was no cash flow and it was similar to like my zero percent credit card philosophy because you have to pay those things down in like a year or that rate runs out. yeah, absolutely paying. it doesn't last forever, right? So I really wasn't making a ton of cash flow, but I was living at the time for like two thousand dollars a month or something stupid. I was driving this old Honda Accord and just you know I I mean I actually lived at my mother-in-law's house for like a year and um, even though I had five rentals. That's that I sexy. I know it sucked. It was In her basement? I know. I had like an extra Ma! gas room there.
2: Ma! Where's the meatloaf? <laughs> I <have> meatloaf, Ma!
1: <laughs> but you know what? It propelled us to getting, absolutely you know, to saving the money to do it. Yeah. And I was willing to do whatever it took. Um, it was that's, get-
0: that's the line right there. You're willing to do whatever it <laughs> took, including yeah. living in your mother-in-law's basement. <laughs> One thing I do notice is the people who are incapable of living below their means... Don't move forward. Right. That's like step one. Everybody, it's step one. You say, how'd you do it? Well, they either had to downsize or move in with mom and dad. They had to do something. Mm -hmm. Start saving. Sacrifice. Yeah, you have to. If it was
1: easy, the old 90-year-old lady across the street would have 50 rentals right now. That's right. She'd like the income. But it, yeah, it doesn't happen that easy.
0: Instead, she's yelling at the TV and watching as the world turns. Right? Is that <laughs> even on there? I, I don't even know what grandma. that is. I Watched. don't have
1: TV. I still sacrificing her.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, I gave up TV as a teenager. Never looked back. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't even miss it. Miss it. Mm-hmm. it does make it a little awkward at the office, and like so you? I'm like, well, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Like, I found out last week what ISIS is.
0: Really? You didn't even I'm, know what ISIS was? I mean, was? maybe
1: not last week, but I get behind on the times. This wow. water crisis, I was a month out finding out.
0: Dude, I fucking hate those people. <laughs> I'm fucking Boko Haram, but I'm not going to get on that. Everybody knows I'm on my Facebook, I'm already crazy. I don't need to get onto this. So you go from being a pilot, you buy a bunch of rentals, patchwork together, you and your wife live in, you weren't married then at the time, though. It was your girlfriend, right? Fiance. Right. Yeah. Somewhere. Fiance, somewhere in there. Something there. About. Living in yeah. mother in law's house.
1: Yep. She, no, she, so this is good. The airlines, not only will they screw up your life and cut your pay, but they'll move you all around the country to be based different places. So Ugh. right about the time she moved to Florida to go to nursing school, cause I was down there, um, I got transferred to Detroit, but she'd already enrolled in nursing school. So she's living in my condo in Detroit. I'm living at her mother-in-law's house or her mom's house in, uh, Trenton right down the road here. And, uh, yeah, we're still doing this long distance thing.
0: They wanted you single, Josh. They were screwing with me. I'll tell you what. We wanted we want him hungry and single yeah. so he doesn't go anywhere. <laughs>
1: Dude,
0: that sucks. How long yeah. did you have to live apart from your uh, I lived
1: apart from her a year after we were married? We were still living apart. She finally moved back because she was committed to nursing school at that point. So yeah. you know, it couldn't couldn't go change in the middle of the program.
0: No. So. I bet they. yeah, the program doesn't care, right? No. Nope. Yeah. Okay. You start again somewhere else. <laughs> How did you decide which rentals to buy or, or, or I know you kind of changed a little bit, but when you first man, it
1: was well, my very first one that we went to acquire. So we had, we had my, my wife's, you know, accidental rental, I'll call it, which was almost breaking even cash flow Cause she was upside down. She paid way too much for it. So my first one we bought, I wanted something turnkey. Cause I didn't know the first thing about remodeling. I, I grew up. My dad is a contractor, basically does any kind of work you would do on a house. Like we do out here. He lives in California. I grew up, I never paid attention to that and I wish I did. So I didn't know the first thing about I mean, no joke, my first rental we bought when we listed it, it was a little turnkey deal, I'll tell you about it. But when we listed it, the lady that uh she's still our attendant today. I remember still. I answered the phone, she asked if it had Central Air, and I said, I don't know, what's that?
2: <laughs> I mean I did not know anything. So you didn't I
1: didn't know what AC was. I didn't know what we don't have central air in Lake Tahoe where I grew up. Yeah. So I didn't know what central air was. So, I mean, I didn't know anything. You, I was the dumbest of the dumb. I did there. This is also no joke on this first one had a huge sign in the window, like a four by four sign that said for sale on land contract. And I told my wife, I'm like, I, that seems like some kind of scam. I think we should just pay cash for it. We scraped up 40 grand. So I wow. paid cash for this thing. I could have like leveraged and you could bought, have, yeah, I, mean, I could, if I would have just had like even an ounce of knowledge, I didn't know about a RIA group. I had like seven houses before I found a Rio group. I mean, I just did this so wrong, but we were looking for one that was turnkey that we didn't have to go in and rehab. Cause I didn't know the first thing about rehab. And so we walked into this one and it's in pretty much the, I won't, won't even buy in this area anymore. It's in Lincoln park. It's North of Southfield. And it is just, I, I really try not to buy up there. It's just not the best, you know, area. But at the time it was, I didn't know that. And it was a turnkey house, if you will. Um, and we thought we could move somebody right in. Basically, the, it smelled like new paint and had new carpet. That's what it was.
0: I like that new paint smell. Yeah. It smells yeah, like too. money. Like yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. It smells like money. <laughs> and you know what? It worked great. Honestly,
1: even as many mistakes as I made on that house, I've still got the same tenant in there from, it's been like six, six and a half years now. Uh, that house has made me a ton of money. It's already paid for itself. And that was the, I made every mistake in the book. That's why you don't need to be a genius to have rental property. Flipping's hard. Wholesaling's hard. I think, but rental property, that's, that's cake.
0: Yeah, if you can work out the financing. Well,
1: that's it. That's
0: uh, a lot of people won't get their money right, right? And if you can't get your money right, it's hard to build the rental empire you have. I,
1: you know, I tell people all the time, we can get into it later, I'm sure. But, uh, if you get about $250,000, you don't need another penny ever again. I think all you need is 250 grand in this market right here to churn. You can do four or five properties at a time, cash out, refi them. I can tell you all about how we do it. It's like, uh, rents and repeat. It's, it's
0: easy, easy peasy. Man, you get me excited when you talk like that. <laughs> you say pretty things to me, Josh. <laughs> Easy peasy. Two hundred fifty rental market, though. That that is how most of anybody who has any real money makes money, is in owning real estate over time. That's Excellent. there's just hands down. It's is quick money. There's nothing wrong with quick money, but it's tax disadvantage. It's earned too. You have to actually do the oh, yeah. work. Yeah. It's not passive at all. And I'm not suggesting that rental uh, property is passive, but it is significantly more passive than flipping or wholesaling. So. if you wanna build
1: wealth, I, I tell people this all the time, if you wanna build wealth, rental property is the best way to do that. You're gonna have you've got your cash flow. I, I use like the five point theory, you've got your cash flow, you've got your potential appreciation, you've got your depreciation, which is awesome come tax time. You'll see if you're a flipper versus a rental yeah. property owner, the oh, difference yeah. is huge. Um, you've got your principal pay down. Nobody talks about that. Principal paydown down is huge. You know, if, if, especially when you get into, to larger notes, you get into a million and a half, a two million dollar note, you're paying three and four thousand dollars a month in principal off just making your payments. That's already accounted for in your cash flow number. Right. And then you've got this. I stole it from uh, this guy, Jason Hartman, as a podcast. He's a pretty sharp guy, I think. Um, and it's been a while, but he calls it inflation induced debt destruction. If you start thinking about it, <laughs> you, you buy, but you buy a property today. Right. Let's just say you get your conventional mortgage. You buy a property today and today's dollars. That mortgage isn't doing full for 30 years. So you're paying debt is inflation is a debtor's best friend. Right. And that's basically the principle. There. You're paying this mortgage yeah. off with 30 years later dollars. It's huge. You know, and, and, at the Josh rule of, Hartman, who, what's Jace, his pod- Jason Hartman's Jason, guy? I'm yeah, sorry. What's, his really pot- what's his podcast? You, Jason Hartman. Podcast, I'll look it up when you're talking. It, yeah. that's I'll it. Google it while you're talking. It's, uh, but, but you, you get this property in today's dollars and there's a thing called the rule of 72, which is basically how, how quick will something double? So at even 3% inflation, you could argue inflation's way higher than that. I don't know. I don't it don't is, get into but it. yeah. So let's just say it's 3%. So at 3% inflation, the value of a dollar is going to double every 24 years, which is why like when I was a kid, candy bars 50 cents and now it's a buck or whatever. So every 24 years value of money is going to double. So if you're paying a note off over 30 years, it's almost like you're getting a property for half price. If you think of it that way. So it's just one more way that rental properties, I think make you money.
0: That is a great see So it's a debt, uh, inflation with debt induced inflation inflation induced debt destruction inflation induced debt destruction that is genius i love that and Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right because the way the way it's to build wealth too in real estate you're actually building debt Mm -hmm. as well oh
1: if i my goal right now is i want a hundred million dollars in debt people are afraid of debt i'm not it's smart debt there's stupid debt is like my airplane i can tell you all about that but you gotta have some toys You know your house is stupid debt. That's a liability. Your car is stupid debt, but but debt for a cash flowing rental property, that's that's an you know that's that's a a necessary evil there, and it's a good thing because this cash flow is going to pay it down for you. Your tenant's going to pay that payment for you.
0: Yeah. So you get your first one. It goes way better than you think. You miss out on opportunity to get some seller financing too because you wanted to go all cash. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. That's funny though. <laughs> hey, you know what? A lot of those land contracts are scams. So you're not necessarily. Yeah, I would wrong.
1: love to buy something online contract today. Yeah. I look all over
0: for him. Give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> he would love to buy something from you on land contract right now, right now. Um, <laughs> Obviously, you learned what you didn't want to do too after that first one, right? Or how yeah. many more did you buy before you came to the Well, No, so that
1: one we did it. We got it, we got it leased right away. And, and okay, now we've got really two rentals, right? You know, the accidental and then this intentional rental. We paid 40000 for that. This was like middle of 09. Not the market hadn't even really bottomed yet in hindsight, but fine. Um, I realized pretty quickly that this guy that I bought this property from did a lipstick on a pig remodel at best. I mean, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was like uh, the cabinets were just painted and falling off. It just wasn't good. So I realized we can buy a worse quality house, one that looks worse aesthetically for way cheaper and then do the remodel ourselves. We'll get a better quality remodel and we'll be less into it. And that sounded like a really good idea. So about that time I uh, for our, our next property I, I again started scraping up cash right away we were saving the money that these two rentals were bringing in which was really just one because the first one was break even we're getting more zero percent credit cards we're doing whatever crazy thing we can get because we got a tax refund for like four or five grand that went right into it just whatever we could do and I bought one in again in Lincoln Park but in a better area a little bit south of Southfield that needed work and I bought that for 28, thousand. Um, and I had my dad, I, he, he said he'd come out and help me. He flew up from California and spent a month. We lived in the house because we're working, we worked till two in the morning. I don't know where he gets the energy. Get up at six a.m. and get going again. And we, we'd knock this remodel out in four weeks, just my dad and I. And that was good for two reasons. One, I got another cash flow in rental, but. When you go do everything on the house yourself, now all that stuff I wish I would have learned as a kid that he was always doing.
0: You know it now. Now I know it. Now <laughs> you
1: know I got a good base at least. So learn how to hang doors, how to you know do some light electrical, plumbing, install laminate flooring and tile, and just everything that I should have always learned. I, I I finally got it right. Hanging doors board. is hard. I got pretty good at it. That's but, a
0: tough thing to do well. Yeah, uh, you'd be like, oh, it's just simple, just no, it no does not work like I that know. at all. Yeah. I know.
1: So so, but he, you know, I finally learned all that. And now I've got another cash flow. And rental and sure enough i got more rent for that because it was a better quality than than my other one i got more rent better quality remodel um the house i knew was worth more based on the comps in the area now and i had way less into it and i did i i don't know how we did this but i did that entire remodel for like eighty two hundred dollars now it cost me like 25 grand we're, yeah. we're much more inefficient now but that was my dad and i no labor paid out we're sh- sleeping in the bedrooms on the floor and just thank you dad yeah, i owe my dad big time for that yeah. one yeah
0: thank you very much and he still asked
1: about it i probably once a month when I talk to him, I'll say, Hey, how's that LeBlanc house doing? Yeah. Same tenants in there too. I mean, we've been really lucky with that. So um. did you
0: start to get an idea, right? Cause you kind of systematize your rehab and rental approach, right? Like you said, like everything's a system, do everything the same sure. way, oh, same yeah. time. Well, How now, many houses in before you're like, Wait so a we second. really,
1: so we really didn't hit a turning point. That was house number three. And then the next thing we did was we bought, um, two houses at the same time, cheap houses, like $20,000 each. Cause I kept wanting to get into Southgate and Wyandotte. Um, I felt that they were stronger areas every time the way, the reason I felt that was because I would get calls on the rental in Lincoln Park and, and someone would say, Oh, I really want something in Southgate, Wyandotte, Trenton. Just, it kind of gave me an idea since I'm not from this area that these were better areas the farther south you went. So I, I started looking, but I couldn't afford anything. So we started, we, we found two cheaper houses, 20 we paid for one and 23 for the other because they were smaller, two bedrooms. One of them is a two bedroom on a slab with, with no garage. I mean, we're talking like, I wouldn't buy these houses today, but they got me in the door and that's what's key. And I, I you know, I want to make that point that a lot of people get in. They want that perfect three bedroom brick ranch on a cul-de-sac with a, a finished basement and a garage. If you just want that, you're going to get eight houses in your portfolio tops. You know, you're going to be capped. You're not going to be able to grow to hundreds or thousands of units like what we want to do. So getting, getting your foot in the door and getting that cash flow, we just had to buy whatever we could buy at the time. And you know what? They still rent. I've had long-term tenants in every one of those houses. We're talking four, five, six year tenants.
0: That's um, the only reason anybody buys those two bedrooms on a slab, because you can get them cheap man, and the I've, cash flow is amazing on it, those things. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we bought those
1: two at the same time. We, now we had this, we're gonna remodel them approach. So I'm doing the work. I've got a buddy kind of helping me. We both don't really know what the heck we're doing, though. So we're learning as we go. But but the point is I'm in there and and I'm getting these things rehabbed. And next thing you know, we're basically up to to four free and clear rentals, right? Um the first one had a big mortgage on it, so We got these things done and this is all through. I mean, I'm talking, this is crazy financing. This is 0% credit cards. This is lending club. This is an unsecured line of credit at 15%
0: interest from Chase. This is the change from the couch and the coffee, everything.
1: Yeah. So we did that. And I'm like, okay, I've got four free and clear houses right now. That should be, I should be able to pull some money out of this. I initially thought I'd just be able to go refinance them one by one. I'm, I'm searching for ways, right? Along the way, right at the same time, um, we bought a duplex on land contract. Um, very similar to that first remodel, but the terms were great. Um, so we bought that. So now we're up to basically seven units. I think I had the four free and clear, the duplex with, which would be six units and that one, uh, first rental that was, uh, that was break even. Right. So so I finally I found this bank and it took a lot, a lot of searching way back. This credit was really tight back in like 2010. Not it's much, much easier today. But I found this bank and this old old uh, commercial lender, the whole commercial lending department was one guy. I found out that <laughs> one dude that's important. That's the best. I love those
0: now. Like I got, I have the decision maker he
1: makes, he makes decisions. He yeah, goes, he absolutely. Doesn't have to run this up. Any kind of flagpole chase couldn't do anything for me. Right. Plus I didn't make any money. I was still making like 30 grand a year. I was maybe 35. Maybe I just started at ATC. I don't know. But, um, so this guy, Bill Cardella, um, he's since retired. Awesome guy. He says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to, give you a blanket loan. We're gonna lump all four of these properties together and we're gonna give you a loan based on seventy five percent of I think it was seventy five percent of what we'd bought them for plus our rehab costs. So we bought it for twenty, we put fifteen into it. That's thirty five grand on that house. I'll give me seventy five percent of that. Not even appraisals or anything. That doesn't even matter what they're worth, just what we put into them. They're worth much more and and he knows that. Um so I think that's great, you know, let's let's do this. What I found out is and that was key going forward you can't go work with Chase, Bank of America, these these big-time banks like this. You need what's called a portfolio lender, which is exactly what this bank was. It was a Mineral County Community Credit Union, and I've since found five or six that will work with us and that we've done deals with. There's, They're all over the place. Um, but that's kind of – I mean I, I can run all along with the story, but that's that was our first big, big breakthrough. This guy gave me $100,000, and to me that was all the money in the world at the time. And I I spent it like it was. I spent that $100,000 in like a month, man, less than a month. We went out and bought four houses right away. <laughs> yeah. Boom, 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 boom. I didn't even know what to do. And that created the next problem of how are we going to rehab four houses at once? Cause I can't do it myself.
0: That's so, a good problem to have. Yeah, good yeah. problem to have. But these, Dad? these
1: problems and then these, yeah, it, you know, my dad's got to make money in California. I don't pay. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I couldn't pay him to work on this. And, and that's kind of how we started evolving. And after that, it, it really just started snowballing into what it is today.
0: And you're doing this the whole time while you're working an air traffic controller job, right?
1: Right now, I still work for these guys. Yeah, that's amazing I don't, amazing to I don't me. work very much for them anymore, but uh, yeah, well, I'm. It, we're towards the tail end of that.
0: Yeah. How long did it take you to find a lender to refi out of those? Because um, that's one thing I noticed about you is you, you kind of are a little relentless, which is a, so that's a good thing.
1: This is funny that you say that. My first ever job employment that I ever had was at a McDonald's. In Lake Tahoe, because, um, you could work at that McDonald's if you were 15 years old. Everywhere else you had to be 16 for the work permit in California or Lake Tahoe, whatever the rule was. But that McDonald's had a special agreement with the school that you could work when you were 15 part time. And so I went into this McDonald's, to get this job. Like the day I turned 15, I want to get a job. I need to make some money. How else am I going to buy a car, right? My parents weren't going to be able to buy me
0: one. You're not going to get a girl without a car. That's it. You need a yeah, car. You need a car. So,
1: so I go in to get this job and I must have gone into that McDonald's. 10 times in a row. I mean, every day I'd go in, I had to see this manager and he was never there. He was too busy, whatever. Finally, on like the eighth or 10th or whatever day it was, I go in there. I finally meet this manager, Dan, and he says, well, you're about the most persistent guy I've ever met. You're hired. (laughs) And that was it. And I got my first McDonald's job by being persistent. I'm just, that's how I am. I've always been that way. So I think I called, I, I think it was about 50 banks that I called. I made, I found a list of a directory of banks in Michigan. I knew I needed a smaller bank. Um, I didn't know it was called a portfolio lender at the time, but I called every one of these banks on this list and it was about 50 and I think probably more of them would have worked with me, but I didn't know what the heck I was asking for. Yeah. So this guy, Bill, uh, th- at Monroe County was able to tell me
0: what I needed to do. And that's Bill a was a closer. He knew, he oh, knew Bill what he needed to do to get a heck it done. He nice guy. Yeah. He could
1: sit and talk to Bill for three hours. He just was a good guy. And, yeah. and he came up with this idea for me and lo and behold, I've been using this same approach for the last five years to, to keep growing. Now it's on much, much bigger scale. I mean, we've done these blanket loans in the millions of dollars now. Yeah. Uh, But that first one for 100 grand was really what kicked us off and and got us going.
0: Did you go out for a steak dinner or just. You know what? Let's go cruise the MLS, honey.
1: We used to always celebrate uh, every house we closed that we'd always go out to a nice dinner or something. And then it got to, like, every 10 houses. And then it got to, like, every flip, yeah. you know, if we made a certain – if we hit our goals on it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I know it was an exciting time, though. And I know I, I spent that money so quick
0: <laughs> Yeah, on, on good things, though. On houses. On houses, right? Yeah, on houses more. At what point did you – when you got that first portfolio done when you're like, aha. Again, I can do this again. I can, re- cause that's another thing I noticed is repeatable processes is the key. Right. You're not reinventing the wheel every time. You're doing the same thing multiple times.
1: Well, my thought process at the time, I definitely was not a thinking systematized. I've always been kind of an orderly type, you know, checklist following type person. I don't know if that's the airline training or just, just the type A type personality, how, how I am. But um, I, I remember I was always thinking, I want to keep growing this. Where am I going to get the money for just the next house? I wasn't trying to think how am I going to, to, I would have, if you would have asked me then, I would have said, no way am I going to get hundreds of units, right? No, no way is this going to happen. I couldn't see that far ahead, but I knew if I could just get that next loan, if I could just get the next few bucks to buy a next couple houses, then that would work for me. So I didn't know I could get multiple portfolio loans like this that I, for all I knew, this was a one and done thing, Mm. but I knew, Hey, I've got my own house. I, at somewhere in there, I bought my own house. I bought it cash, $30,000. I still live in it today. We've done a bunch of remodel work on it. It's a nice place. I like it, but I knew I could pull money out of there down the road. And, and I knew eventually I'd be able to find, you know, family had some money. Maybe like my wife's family actually ended up doing some lending to us. I knew I'd have other, other ways to get, funding for these rentals but i just didn't know where they would come from my goal was always just that very next rental
0: being that focused though sometimes i i you know focus like that is generally i think a good thing not always because you do miss some things but Mm -hmm. um, how long after your first portfolio loan to your second portfolio loan Let's see if
1: I can think back here. I don't think it was very long. We did it with the same bank. Uh, Bill retired in that time frame, So it was probably a year it took us between that first loan and that second one, give or take. And the second one was 150,000. Even so, better. Yep. I think we had five houses in that second one or they were a little higher valued or something. We, we got a few more bucks. And uh, it turns out those are both very low loan to value loans. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've still got them both, I believe. Um we reify them from time to time or whatever, but those two I think are still existing. So that next loan, and that was when I started to, now we're up to maybe, I don't know, 12 or 13 properties probably by the time I got that next loan and, and used that to buy more houses. And I'm still throwing all my own cash into this too, or if I can get money from, you know, my wife's mom lent us some money, like I mentioned, I throw that in there. Everything I can do, I'm just throwing into this this snowball I'm trying to build. Um And that after that second one is where I think things really, really started to to take off as far as growth and as far as adding properties.
0: What year was that? When, we are back in like 2011 now. Okay, yeah, so about five so years ago. The
1: market had kind of started around the bottom, and I feel like, looking back now. I think it, in my mind, the market kind of came out of the bottom somewhere in 11, maybe early 12 for our markets. By by the summer uh, or by the spring of 13, it was just we were fighting for deals, I felt like. Yeah. Back in 2012, I could basically pull up the MLS blindfolded, pick a house and be buying it for 25000 bucks, and it would work.
0: Uh uh-huh. yeah, two thousand eight was uh two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Good years. Good are we gonna refer years. to those as the good old days one of these? We days? are. <laughs> I I think it is unlikely we will see prices like that again. Yeah. But I would be happily surprised. Yes. Except for all the damage it does, but yeah. Worked well for me. Yeah. You know, have you ever heard that uh, fortunes
1: are made and lost in recessions? They
0: absolutely are, right? So
1: that's it. It was that was huge.
0: Yeah, it's everybody else's loss. But um all right, there's a lot of opportunity whenever there's distress, yes. for sure, right? A lot of people making bad decisions. When did you systematize everything? At some point you're like way Dude, too late. <laughs> I can't be doing all this. I'm running around. I had yeah. fifty,
1: I think five units and a full time job. And let me say my wife is, you know, part of this, obviously, but she she's supportive. My wife is the type that I can tell her we're buying a two million dollar apartment building and she'll say, Okay, what do you want for dinner? So she's supportive of it. She backs me in it, but she really doesn't have any interest. She definitely doesn't have the drive I have for it. So I was basically doing this on my own. She'd do some showings for me just to help out because I needed the help. But with a full-time job up to about 55 units, which was just stupid and crazy. And I
0: shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Did you get any sleep? It was
1: ridiculous. It was just like it was It was so hectic. I was taking all – at one point, I, I was even doing maintenance work up to about 25 units. I would do my own like handyman work.
0: That's crazy. So it was man. just stupid.
1: And if I would have, if I could have gone back and redone this, I could really build something big.
0: Um, it's a lot easier working backwards, isn't oh, it? Oh, I could work backwards. I could, I could fix everything. I work backwards like a boss too. <laughs> I'm a fucking genius backwards. <laughs> Look at all the shit I missed. I'm a boss. <laughs>
1: So, uh, yeah, uh, about 55 units, full-time job. Um, I was doing all – answer all the phone calls. My wife would do some of the showings occasionally, some of the lease signings. But everything that comes along with it, we didn't have anybody to work for us. I didn't have an office or anything like that. It was just like a mom-and-pop operation. But I started building some systems out of necessity. So, you know, our leases got to the point where we had a format. You could enter the, the details, and that would populate a lease. We had um, – spreadsheets at the time that, that would, uh, and that's actually a a big point that that I'll talk about here, but, uh, that we had systems in our spreadsheets where there were certain areas to enter, you know, rent payments to enter expenses. Um, about that time, that 55 units, I realized if I really want to grow this thing, actually what, what the, I I wait for catastrophe is what (laughs) I do. Uh, What happened is I have this like breakdown. I, I, um, I had bought this 24 unit building at like 42% occupancy, which is what kicked us up to that about 55-unit range or somewhere, whatever it was. Right about as we're buying this thing, I realize – I cannot man I cannot pull all this off. Like I'm having a nervous breakdown here. They handed me a Ziploc bag, a freezer sized Ziploc bag of keys at closing. And said, here you go. And I didn't know I couldn't get in units. I'm 42% occupied, so I've got vacant units, but I can't get a key to it. We're we're having locksmiths pick locks and it just it that was like a a breaking point for me. At the same time I realized I've got a good job now. I'm making great money at this ATC job. If I want to take a vacation without phone and internet, it's out of the question because of this rental monster. You can call it a business, but this monster I've created, and I'm just like, what the heck am I thinking? So that was – it was kind of a breaking point, and I said, all right, I need to – I need a management software. I can't train my Excel sheets to, to somebody else, right? I need a software. I, I, need, I need some systems. I need some people to help me out here. Otherwise, there's no point in doing this. You know this is I've just created myself another full-time job that's extremely stressful. and so that was where that was where we really started to take off and grow. And you know what? That was about maybe sometime in the middle of 14, and looking back, you, your results you know, speak for themselves, right? I'm a firm believer of that. From the time that we added our first employee and our second one came right quick after that, um, one year, we had more than doubled in size. Damn. So I was all scared to hire employees. So you did
0: three years in one year or three or four years. Oh, we we
1: added seventy eight units last year alone.
0: That's yeah, that's amazing. We
1: it's just blown up. And if you Looking forward, I couldn't see that because all I see is the payroll, you know, and the expense of these employees and training them and all this, all this mess. But it does two things for you. One, it forces you to get your, your act together because if you're going to have somebody work for you, you better know what you're doing. Yeah. Teaching is the best teacher. So I had to put systems in place and, and we've got ops manuals now. I mean, we are so systematized. Everything is a system. Everything. If it doesn't have a procedure, it gets one made for it. If something comes up and there's not a page in our ops manual, we get a page made. And and what that did is it it made me get my act together. It made – it forced me to put systems in place and think bigger picture, but it also freed me up to do just what they say, go find money and go find deals. Which and
0: is what you need to do.
1: What I need to do. And what do you know? It happened. It just came about. There, I found private money that I didn't think existed. I, I put apartment deals together that I didn't think I would ever be able to pull off before. Just maybe I had the extra few minutes to talk to that broker on the phone or to go, go to the RDI meeting and meet a few private lenders or meet a couple wholesalers that can bring me some deals. But I did all those important things. And I mean, growing 78 units in a year, that more than doubled for us. That paid for my employees 20-fold. I mean, it was huge what, what we've done and, and the future is looking bright because that's, that's the trajectory we're on for now.
0: What system do you have for adding new housing inventory to your current stock? Cause I imagine do we find it. You, well, h- yeah. How do you decide what to buy and where to buy it? Well now we can be a little bit more picky. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. But
1: We weren't, you know, I mean, it took a while. It took a while to be able to be picky. Now we're looking, we, what we use is MLS. Um, I, Honestly, I have a project manager that does all this for me. So we buy houses that I've never seen anymore, which is cool. I sometimes will own a house. I've never been to it. Um, but the, our project manager will, will scour the MLS. He's always, he's out right now, right? Looking at houses. Um, and we'll write offers on them, try to get them off the MLS. Uh, we use wholesalers. If any wholesalers can bring us deals, we'll, I'll look at everything, uh, in, in our geographical area, um, this downriver area. Um,
0: yeah, what is that geographical area? Because there, yeah. there are going to be people listening and go, I'm going to sell the shit.
1: I'll, I'll buy the shit. Yeah, he will uh, buy it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where do you buy, man? Where we do you buy it? We are looking
1: uh, down downriver area, Southgate, Wyandotte, uh, Woodhaven, Trenton, basically from Southfield Road south to Rockwood, which is exit 27 on I-75, um, and then the river east. And basically Telegraph Road on the West. We, we try to keep everything we own is pretty much in that tight knit area right now, which has been a huge benefit as well. Um. If you want to build systems and and have a vendor list that you can just rinse and repeat with, uh keeping everything in a tight knit area really,
0: really helps. And do you have a formula like after repair value? What what do you what are you looking
1: for? What we've been doing for about the last year since I've had the project manager on board and I've had to have systems. I tell him to go out and buy houses, I gotta give him some criteria.
0: Absolutely, right? So here's what we're doing.
1: I'll give you I'll give you the secret sauce right here. (laughs) It's uh (laughs) we buy everything like we're gonna flip it. Um one thing we haven't talked about, but how we our remodels became uh what I'd call top of market remodels we're talking granite countertops stainless appliances all new hardwood or refinished hardwood flooring six panel doors you see it, it, it they're going to be the best rental my my theory is if we have uh if we have 50 people or if we have 150 people left in the downriver area that need to rent houses they're all going to rent from us
0: that's and they'll be, be the best 150 people right and they'll be the best too yeah, yeah. yeah. so so we're the rest. Of you guys will get those shit renters. <laughs> top
1: of market, top of market rentals here. Well, it just so happens that that works real well. That we can flip that same house. And so I don't really like flipping houses for the building wealth standpoint, but I like it very much for the generating revenue standpoint, which helps me pay my project manager a commission based salary. And my goal is for all my employees to make as much money as possible because then they want to keep coming to work and keep making money for us. Yeah. So that being said, we do the same remodel on a flip or a rental. Therefore, my formula is the same to buy. Anything we buy, single family house. It is ARV, which is your after repair value. We want 92% of that. That takes account for all the closing costs and and, and selling fees and whatnot that you have to do. Then we want a $20,000 profit. And then we want to take out our rehab costs. So a quick example, $100,000 house, a house worth 100000 bucks fixed up. of that's 92 grand. We want to make 20 grand that leaves 72,000 and our rehab is typically 25. So I've got to buy that for $47,000. Boom. We'll buy it for 47. I won't buy it for $47,100. I draw the line and it's nice, easy line in the sand. What that does, even if I'm going to try to keep most of them as rentals, it gives me the option to flip it, which we sometimes will. But more importantly, I'm going to package these rentals together. And I'm going to do a blanket loan refi, right? I'm going to put four or five. Sometimes I just did one where I put, I don't know, half a million dollars worth together. It was like eight houses or something. And we just closed that last week. And since I had that equity built in, that $20,000 profit I, I just mentioned, that gave me that equity in the property to be able yeah. to pull back out. And I basically pulled all my capital back out.
0: So you, you actually back your way in the property. You did it on yep. accident in the beginning, but yep. now you do it on purpose. Right. You know what the blanket loans are going to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, why, why not flip this slowly over 30 years, right?
1: Right. And they're going to give me 75 to 80% loan to value. So if I've already backed in that profit number on, on my purchase, which is where you make the money that yeah. you buy, uh, I'm covered. I can pretty much refund my capital out, which is why I said earlier, if you have $250,000 in working capital, that doesn't even have to be your own. It can be private money. It can be from under your couch. It can be 0% credit cards. It can be whatever you want. If you get 250 grand, you don't ever need another dime. You can keep, if you want to build single family rentals, you can just keep buying, refining the money out and going to buy more.
0: How many houses do you guys have to look at before you get one accepted?
1: It varies. You know, we have um it, the market flows in these seasonal type uh, ebbs and flows here. So we've April, March, April, May is real, real tough. we, in fact, last year we bought a couple houses that probably weren't the best deals that time of year because we wanted to buy something. We had all this cash sitting there. Uh, we're in that situation right now and we're coming into that time of year, which I don't like. Um, so those times of year, it's really, really tough. Um, you get into the middle of winter and it's a lot easier sometime. Um, we had a situation come up last September, October where we were out there every day hustling, trying to get houses. Well, I think Mitch, my project guy is looking at 15 places today. That's not abnormal for us. We'll you think write offers. Get one on,
0: out of those 15. Oh yeah,
1: we'll, okay. we'll write offers. And I think he looked at 15 yesterday. So let's say there was 30 houses he looked at. This is basically MLS and a couple of wholesaler deals that, that come across our plate that who knows if they'll work. Um That's a good point. Yeah. I, we, but we look at everything. We will, yeah. if you bring it to me and it's in the area and it, has any kind of potential we'll go look at it we'll actually physically go drive by it or get in the house if we can um we'll probably out of that three on average we might get three of the, out of that 30 we might get three deals
0: okay so like um, one in ten ish
1: but of course it's not perfect like that so we might look at 30 and get none and then we had a situation in september october that came up where we got eight of them within like a one month period we bought eight houses and that's all good and fun until you realize now I got to manage eight rehabs. Yeah, well, my project manager has to manage eight
0: rehabs. So you better guy get busy, is, Mitch.
1: Yes, he was. He's slammed. sweating. Yep, we're done. <laughs> we we actually just got the last one. Was that one I told you about? Thirty-two showings in three days. So we think we did a pretty good job.
0: How do you organize all that? Because he's looking at houses. I mean, do you have a CRM or how do you know? Uh,
1: we have a. We're still on the Excel program on that. It's pretty simple. We have an Excel sheet and we put every address we look at. Some simple three bedrooms, one bath. What our ARV is, it calculates our our, uh, max um, offer based on the rehab number we put in. It's like a quick two seconds you can put a a house in that spreadsheet.
0: Is this in Google Drive or Dropbox? Oh, he's Dropbox. He's Dropbox, yeah. Okay, so basically everybody can share the – well, everybody who has access to it can share your community information. Sure thing.
1: Yep, Mitch is on there all the time. I can check out what he's doing. now if we're doing this right, I don't even need to know. Yeah. He's out looking at the houses. He's put the numbers together. He knows our rehabs almost better than I do now. I'm, I, I'm really not in the day-to-day as much, which has been nice. So if he's doing this right, we're going to buy this house without me even knowing. Maybe I go to the closing, you know? We get the offer accepted and everything. My wife writes the offers still. Um, so that's something I actually might be farming out. That's something to come, but, uh, she's still the agent writes the offers. Um, and so Mitch will send her the numbers. She'll put the offer in in our company name here and we'll find out we got it accepted. Hmm. Hopefully that's how it all works.
0: All right. Let's talk about these rehabs, man. All right. That's a lot of rehabbing.
1: Uh, Yeah. I spent 600 grand at Lowe's last year.
0: You get a card for that, like uh,
1: you know what you get. You get Lowe's points. I had a half a million Lowe's points, and uh, you get does all that get you. Of, uh, I f- anything you want. You can get all kinds of cool stuff. You, I had enough to get uh, $5,100 in Cabela's gift cards. Holy shit. That's a lot, right? Yeah. Um, but go, I just went to Cabela's the first time the other day. I think I could spend 5100 bucks there. It's pretty neat.
0: Uh, don't trust me. <laughs> you, if you can't spend money there, give me a call. I'll come help it, you spend it. Was it was cool. Uh,
1: you can get gas cards with it. You can get all kinds. Of, so we, we do a lot of stuff through Lowe's because we've, we've kind of developed a relationship where they discount our materials. Um, you know, an example—we're buying an appliance package from them that was like a forty-three or forty-five hundred dollars retail package. We're getting for twenty-three hundred out the door. I mean, you just can't beat it. Nice stainless frigidaire gallery line. How do you work, how do you negotiate that? Uh, you know what? That was funny how we did that one. Um, we we had pretty good deals. We we'd go in there and ask them to discount it as best they can because we're doing a lot of volume with them. And at one point, they said they couldn't discount it anymore we knew that that they were we, we should be able to do better and i think this was actually appliances this might have been our apartment plant appliance package but either way we went over to abc i bought five thousand dollars worth of appliances and then i took the receipt and <laughs> Slapped it on the table at Lowe's and said, this is what's going to happen. If you guys can't work with me, ABC can beat your price. Damn. Boom. The price came down. So that sometimes you have to throw your weight around a little bit.
0: Josh, you make an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I think we can do that. Price. But they
1: also, we, we, um, we, we get a great deal on carpet and they realized they were selling carpet below cost accidentally to us. So they had to, you know, we work with them too. It's, it's a good working relationship, but they are, that's definitely our core part of our remodel is, is standard big box stores.
0: Yeah, so don't um, don't do this if you like. Look, listen. I got twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm gonna spend the day. Do you want my business or not? No, we did not get yeah, there. Yeah, that's not until gonna we work.
1: Yeah, at least a couple hundred thousand a year at the at the yeah. same exact store, the same pro desk. I mean, I not so much anymore. But if Mitch walks in, it used to be me. But if Mitch walks into a Lowe's right now, he's like a celebrity. <laughs> I mean, he knows everyone in there. It's funny walking with the
0: him. champ is here. Yeah. Is there music that plays? You should get months. him, like, you see Joe Delia has the uh, the wrestling belt? You <laughs> no, should get that- Mitch one when he walks in the lows. <laughs> he carried on his shoulder. <laughs> yes. The champ is here.
1: So we, we systematize this, too, this rehab. You have to systematize these rehabs or you'll lose your mind. So what we do is we, we're pretty much doing the same remodel. Every house pretty much gets the same stuff, especially in these areas. They're almost all the same style houses, just with a different layout. So we have a spreadsheet that has every item number that we use. And we continuously add to that if we find a new material that we're using. Um we can go through a house. I, I used to be able to do it in about an hour. I'm sure Mitch is that good or better. Walk through an entire house and make a list of everything you need, get back at the computer and put that in a spreadsheet, takes another hour. So within two hours you've got an entire twenty five thousand dollar remodel pretty much put together and you email that spreadsheet off to your girl at uh at the commercial desk and they put an order in and deliver it on a flatbed.
0: Damn, it's just like that simple.
1: Two hours. You got every material for the job. There's going to be some stuff that pops up and we have a system now where our contractors will go and, and pick up the materials themselves and we'll get the receipts and review them and whatnot. So there's there's all these other little little parts that come into play. But the point of it is, is that you could, I was running four rehabs at a time with a full time job and managing 50 rentals. So you can do these things if you systematize it.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, though. How long does it take you, you and your team to do a rehab?
1: Um, it should be, uh, two months. We plan <laughs> two months, but just like any other rehabs, they tend to go over budget and over time frame, Right. So we've had them run as long as four. We've had stuff go double over budget. I mean, I, we are not geniuses here. We screw up all the time. Um, hopefully two months
0: hopefully two months what software do you use um or do you still just use the spreadsheet for all the the rehabs or
1: rehabs is just spreadsheet it's real simple i mean it's just an excel do you have a fucking a weekly
0: meeting or something how do you know what's uh where you're at in the project or is mitch just uh, Mitch? You?
1: that's his job i i did you know i hired mitch as a project manager he's actually a longtime friend of mine too he, I, he left the airlines to come do this which is cool he I, I, ho- too. I
0: hope there's there's not an airline executive listening to this that, I don't, and they don't give a shit but if there is i hope look, you're yeah, listening
1: park their airplane in fargo north dakota and say so come find it <laughs>
0: i lived it in fargo <laughs> <laughs> right, so. right next to the starbucks that's what, that's what Mitch
1: does he runs around to all these jobs all day long he you know he checks up on these guys make job, sure they're, generally make sure they're showing up i mean working with contractors
0: is dude a that's other, why i'm asking i yeah. did this i well, i didn't do that many i mean i was doing like five to ten at a time right. That's about our
1: peak. Eight, I think eight was about our peak at our systems level. (laughs) Oh
0: man, it was, it literally felt like the best way I put it. And I was not doing it as smart as you, obviously. Uh, it felt like I was wrestling a wolf or like I had my boot. I uh, would like my boot on the throat of the wolf. And the second I let up, that thing was going to fuck me up. Like, I remember having nightmares. There was like a year and a half where I didn't get more than four and a half, five hours of sleep. And I would literally have nightmares and I would try and go to a movie with my wife and try not to look at my, it just all the whole time. I was like, if I just let up for one second, I did it the, the exact wrong way. Like if you were to go, <laughs> What is the quickest way to ruin your marriage and your life and gain 100 pounds and hate everything about it? And I was like, oh, I checked every box. Yay. So I'm intensely interested in how you, you seem happy. You're smiling. You, you got married in the time, obviously. Yeah, so
1: we've been married five and a half years. So. Yeah.
0: Long time. So obviously yeah. you're doing, you're doing something right. And the key is to to hire somebody else and let them fucking worry about it. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a full-time job. And if you have time, even, even with Mitch, he had, you know, a bunch of problems and we had some ups and downs too, trying to get him up on, up to speed. And one of them was material delivery. So we get this big delivery at the beginning of a remodel and, That's – the as conclusive as we are and as good as we are at getting as much stuff there at once, we're going to have other things we need. You just need a bunch of stuff. You're You're going to miss stuff, right? A full $25,000 job. And these contractors would send Mitch to Lowe's four and five times a day.
0: No, that's bullshit. It was
1: total BS. So what Mitch – I mean, he was running ragged. He was doing fourteen-hour days trying to keep up with these guys, and we finally sat down and said, "All right, anytime there's a problem like that, the system's really broken, right?" We said, "All right, the system here is broken. What can we do to fix this?" I got an idea. We'll put the contractors on. We're not going to give them their own Amex card because then they'll go spend this at you know Henry VIII's or something. <laughs>
2: uh, but we'll uh,
0: we'll put hey, them on our. How they going to get through college, Josh? <laughs>
1: Them on our Lowe's account. So if they go to the protest, the protest knows us. They're on an account there. They can buy things at Lowe's and our biggest fear why we hadn't done this before was what if this guy goes and buys himself a new table saw on our dime. Yeah. So to counteract that, we have a Mitch does a receipt review twice a week. So he'll go to Lowe's, get all the receipts every Tuesday, every Friday, systematize. Boom. He has to do it those days. Um, sit down and just punch in item numbers. if you reading the Lowe's receipts, like reading Chinese a lot of times it's all abbreviated. so you punch in an item number online and he'll figure out what they were buying and make sure it all makes sense and that way we the worst we get burned is by a couple of days. you know and yeah. plus the protest knows us they're not if if there was some crazy order going through, they'd give us a call before they approved it.
0: Josh wants this grill,
2: yeah, <laughs> so
0: he wants the new ceramic. <laughs> $2,800 egg. He and a told riding me. Lawnmower. Yeah. Zero turn, baby.
1: <laughs> so Mitch, what we found though is instead of the 20 hours a week, he was running back and forth to Lowe's. Now these contractors were doing it and wow, they're much more efficient when they have to go. Yeah. It's amazing how that works. Huh? Yeah. And now it takes him maybe an hour twice a week. So 20 hours went down to two hours of work. And now that's a system that just saved him 18 hours a week. And we have the same benefits we had before from it. This we're still buying everything through the same department, same materials. Perfect. So that's what we do.
0: Mm. Amazing. Now it's time to rent them. To what? Now it's time to rent them. No. You buy them. Yes. Yes. You finance them. You rehab them. You bought them. You rehab them. Yep. Now it's time to rent them out and or flip them. Let's start with with the renting. How do you rent out one of your beautiful houses?
1: Renting them out is easy. Renting them out is, well, for one, we've done the best remodel. You're not going to find our remodel. And that's the key. A lot of people that get into this want to scrimp and save. And I did it first, too. You, you don't have the money to, to spend. But having the nicest property available... They rent themselves. I mean, I have got the, the people listening won't be able to see this, but I had 32 some odd showing, 32 showings on one house in three days that we just listed. I mean, you can see the list every single Holy day. Holy shit. Yeah. I'm looking it's at just it. It's nothing but
0: showings. Point your calendar to the, to the, can, to the camera. So I, yeah.
1: I book them or actually our, our office girl books them and, and, uh, our leasing agent goes and shows it and they rent themselves. I'm sure we got five or six apps on that house alone. You know, you typically convert somewhere around 20%. Um, but we pretty much, can lease a house in a day or two because it's the nicest house in the area. So everybody's got to live somewhere. If they're looking to rent, why would they not rent with us? We're Is that a Google enough. calendar
0: you're using or what uh, we
1: use? Uh, we're all Apple stuff here. Apple so stuff. everything. Yeah. All the computers in the office are Mac and I have Mac. Systematized. In my house and right. So it, it yeah, they actually talk real nice. They talk to your iPhone, to your iPad. So yeah. everybody's calendar gets an update. We run, Mitch runs our maintenance calendar off that for our in-house maintenance guy. And so you we have a maintenance calendar,
0: in, leasing calendar, yeah, exactly. rehab calendar. What, what are all the calendars you guys that's, have?
1: That's what we do. We actually, we just have, we try to limit it because yeah. there's too, too many. Uh, it'll be crazy, but we have a, a maintenance calendar for our in-house maintenance guy. He works off that. And we have a, a general office calendar, which is all of our leasings and or lease signings, uh, uh, showing appointments and all that for our leasing agent.
2: Mm.
1: So uh yeah, renting them. I mean, it's, we put it up on Craigslist, Zillow. I don't even put a sign in the yard. We don't even put them on our website. It's just they rent so fast. Renting of is a non-event.
0: All right. So you put it on Zillow and what?
1: Um, it's... We used to use Postlets, now Zillow just bought Postlets, yeah, but it's like yeah. a, a syndicate site that puts it on hot pads, Trulia and whatnot. Okay. That's just blasted out everywhere. It yeah. blasted everywhere. And then, um, that's one. And then the other one we do is Craigslist. Craigslist. And it, it's actually switched. You know, when we first started, it was probably 70% of our interest came from Craigslist and 30% from the Zillow stuff. Now it's probably about 70, 30 the other way. Hmm. Um, Craigslist, I think we're getting less, uh, less interest from there.
0: Yeah. I always hated Craigslist. Well, I should say it's a hate love relationship, right? I love it when it works and I hate it when I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. when I can't get it to work. What's your qualification process for, for screening your tenants? It has to be some sort of process, right? Oh yeah.
2: So
1: again, I, you know, I didn't used to have one before I had employees, but if you have a, a leasing agent going out to a property, I can't just tell her to pick the one that she likes. That doesn't work. No. So if you're going to grow, you're going to could have to have bad taste, process. right? You might have bad taste. Yeah. So, Um, what we do is we, we have a screening criteria. It's pretty simple. Minimum 600 credit score, three times the rent and income, no felonies, no crime, no sex crimes or anything like that. Um, and we run them through our, um, our property management software use building on, which is is huge. It's that's the key to our business. But yeah, yeah
0: hold on, we're going to come back to that. We'll get back to that. Yeah, um, we're, we're for sure coming back yeah, to I'm that. Like
1: building is best commercial right here. Yeah. Um, so we run them through our uh, screening process, which uh, gives us an instant credit report on them. We had they had to come out and inspect our office to get all this set up, but credit background and eviction check. And and evictions are a no go. Eviction in five years, you can't play with us.
0: Well, yeah, because. Because you're going to do it to us. Yeah, too. absolutely. So right.
1: that's the criteria. Um, occasionally we'll work around like a credit score issue. That's the thing is I'd love to make it all black and white, but honestly it's not. And if someone has a 590 credit score and they make enough money and it, they're generally meeting every other requirement, we can sometimes offer them maybe an increased deposit or something to work with them. Um, but generally speaking, that's our that's our criteria.
0: What are you trying to get for a deposit?
1: Uh, well, we're, that's part of the problem with trying to increase the deposit is with these full remodel houses, we're always asking for max deposit anyways. And so that's where we kind of have to draw the line. So on the apartments, we have a little bit of room to work with. On a house, we're looking at one and a half times rent. That's important too. The reason we do that is because if – we're very strict on our rent collection. Rent is due the first. It's late the first at midnight, regardless of weekends or holidays. And on the second, my uh, office manager has a standing appointment with the computer and she does all of our seven day notices. On the second, it doesn't matter if it rained and snowed and you couldn't get out of uh, wherever you were on vacation. You couldn't pay your rent. Doesn't matter. Rent's due on the first. We don't mess around. So if you don't take a high deposit, you're, well, let me, let me, let me finish where I'm going with this. So. We send out that seven-day notice if someone didn't pay rent. And unfortunately, we're going to have a few. We probably usually do eight or ten a month across the portfolio right now. Some months are worse. Some are better. If we send out that notice on the 10th, we send that file to the attorney for eviction. It's all systematized. That file goes to the attorney on the 10th. We usually have a court date right about the first of the next month. uh, encompasses two months of rent, and they're out, usually within 45 days. What do you know? A month and a half security deposit, 45 days they're out. We didn't lose any money.
0: There you go. Hopefully they don't do any damage on the way out, right?
1: You know what though? We've, that was my fear too. You're always afraid people are going to do damage by having the nicest properties. You naturally are already filtering out the people that are going to damage your property. Damn. That's
0: a good point. I'm thinking, you know, the problem is to live in fucking Detroit too long, man. I, I just don't, don't. <laughs> I just don't think like that. That's why it's good. I sit down and do these as soon as you said, I'm like, of course you, you got rid of most of the people that I mean, would absolutely my do that.
1: Worst ever turnover. I'm gonna jinx myself here and have a bad one. My worst ever turnover I had like we had to rip up carpet in one of the bedrooms because someone stained it with wine or something and didn't tell us, you know? But that uh, we do not have these bad turnovers. I've never had that bad of a turnover. Usually a lot of times we can get by without even they they've cleaned the unit. We'll send our cleaners in to do a wipe down or something. I mean, they're we do not usually have these problems. Even Damn,
0: these are good renters. They clean on the way out. Even being evicted. Well, you,
1: well, yeah. We actually just did one the other day. Unfortunately, a guy lost his job, couldn't pay rent. I mean, yeah. I, I found out about the situation uh, uh, just the other day here, and the guy had to move. We got him to sign a release of possession, and the unit was probably cleaner than when he moved in.
0: That's a fine American,
1: and a good guy. He yeah. didn't. He didn't like the bad things. Sometimes happen. You're gonna sometimes have someone that can't pay their rent. Our goal is to get them out, and get somebody else in. So we lost two weeks of rent on that. That's better than going to the attorney. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't want he did to do the honorable his thing he did too. the honorable yeah. thing. Yeah, he absolutely. Out. We have a release of possession handed in the keys, clean the unit. You know, yeah. that's what we want. But by having this higher end rental, you're you're screening out these people that maybe would do that damage, maybe would be late on or, or have to get evicted or whatever. And so, yes, you're, you're spending more money up front. But in the end, I truly think that long term, our numbers are going to be better than somebody who on paper looks like they make more money.
0: Mm. Let's talk about your philosophy on rehabbing. You've alluded to it a couple times, and we've talked about it, but Let's but let's get in here. Your philosophy sounds to me something like buy a great house in a great area, do an excellent job, way above market, the top of the market rehab. You will get the best qualified candidate poll. Which means you get the best qualified tenants for the highest market price. Is that generally what? Did I just sum that up? You
1: pretty much got it. Okay. The key is we try not to overprice these. That's why we're getting something like 30 plus showings. and, And a lot of people would say, well, to raise your rent, I don't, I don't need that extra 50 bucks in rent. That, that might help the bottom line, but that's an incentive to move. If someone's paying above market rent, I want to avoid turnover. Turnover. If you, if you analyze our numbers, our biggest expense is turnover. So we do all those things you said, but I price it right at the top of market, right? Maybe even, maybe even right at market rent. I, I could definitely get more rent for these things. Um, sometimes we might even be a hundred bucks below market or below what we could get, I guess. Um, and, and that's definitely a, a, a range in there. Um, but the key is to not, not get this, this rental. We don't want to wow somebody. They walk in and have that new car feeling and they see this, you know, uh, granite kitchen and stainless appliances and it's just this awesome house and they say i'll pay two thousand dollars a month well that's good and fun until the the romance wears off and Mm. next month they want to move yeah so we want to be right in there at market rent and we'll 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 keep it on the higher side if we can but i definitely don't want to outprice these things
0: Mm. that's an excellent point get a feeding frenzy going every time one hits the market too right exactly yeah that's interesting Let's talk about this software because obviously you're doing with this many rentals, and you do have epic. You had to at some point you had to start epic property management. Oh yeah, that was
1: in there as well. That was part of the process. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So actually, let's let's start with that. When did you start? When did you realize you need to start a property management company? Because you could have hired out. You could have said, right. "Okay, I'm going to hire X company." I tried. Yeah, you tried. Yeah. Okay, up, let's I, talk I, about I that.
1: This. So, uh, back at that, and I'm I'm trying to recall if it was right. If we bought this, it was right about the time we bought this 24 unit building at 42 percent occupancy, which is a whole story in itself, and it pushed us. I, I think we we're around 55 units. It was when I was having this realization that that we needed to. Um, we, I needed somebody else to help out. So I maybe had 30 some odd houses and a 24 unit building and I am running like crazy. And, and I, I realize now what am I doing? Right. Just like we talked about earlier. So the natural reaction is I'm just going to hire a property management company. I'll pay them the 8% or whatever they're going to charge. Um, and let them run my rentals, but I start looking into the, the, I don't want to bad mouth anyone around here, but the management companies here suck. Dude, I'll so. badmouth all of them, but yeah, <laughs> they no, I'll are be terrible. Nice for you. We're talking like two months. I mean, I, I talked to people at RIA groups that, that had used them. We're talking two months to fill a vacancy. I'd never been over like two days. You know, we're talking just stories of losing security deposits and the tenant not getting it back and the management company keeping it and not giving it to the owner and all kinds of mess. I mean, I've got nothing good to come. No, no good feedback from these companies. So <clears throat> I finally just realized I, the only way I think I can make this work is I'm going to hire my own staff that I can train the way I want to do this. I can train them with our procedures, our criteria, our standards, and I can have some control over it. And that's the only way I'm going to be able to to maintain the professionalism that I think that I've instilled on this company that I've this monster I'm building. So that's that's what triggered hiring someone, which was it was a, it was a tough decision. I mean, this has been my baby. I built this thing up over the, at the time, maybe three or four years. And I didn't think that anybody could do as good of a job as I did. So it, it, that was where we started.
0: Shit, you may be right too. You know, it's hard to say. <laughs> the bar. The bar and property management is set pretty fucking low. It's, yeah, absolutely. It'd be difficult to trip over if you could find <laughs> it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you try to hire anybody or did you start looking and just couldn't find anybody that met your criteria? I started criteria? checking out. No,
1: I really never went as far more than maybe a call to the office and you get some cranky old lady on the yeah. phone and that's not going to work. No. So pretty much I, it, was, it was clear that I had to hire somebody myself. Then you've got all the decisions of, you know, what if this person makes a bad? What if someone calls about a late rent and they don't know? My office manager doesn't know what to do, or you know, what if these they have to make decisions? There's a lot of discretion involved, and, and what I realized looking back on it was as long as you instill a culture in these people, you know, I think I'll steal this from Max. Um, give Castle, the other management company, a shout out. Um, but uh, he said something a, a while back on an interview he did that that culture is what culture really does is it allows everyone in your company to be able to make the same decision independently. Hmm. And so I've been, I, I couldn't put it as, as well as he did. You yeah. put it well, but
0: that on my podcast or is that somewhere else?
1: Uh, I think it was on somewhere else. Fuck. Sorry. Yeah. All right. That's all right. But you need to bring
0: your a game on my podcast. <laughs> <But> okay. <it's, laughs> it'll be given these little that's tidbits, sharp, man. The... And that's what
1: I've been trying to do from day one is just instill my philosophy on somebody so that these decisions that were required discretion, that, that the people that work for me can make virtually the same decision I'd make. and, that's what we started working with, and that was what was the hard the hard part to realize about starting to hire employees is that they're going to have to make decisions, and you're going to have to hopefully train them so that they'll make the same decision you would.
0: How do you build culture? Well, company. i
1: think it just it's followed by example and procedures so i try to Fucking set the end. example yeah.
0: especially on example yeah. yeah yeah so
1: what i do you know i i, I try to sit down and, and i'll take a phone call with my office manager or my receptionist standing right there and have them see what i would do Um, and, and i'm actually honest i'm working still on that right now today I'll, i still i need to put more energy into that because that's what builds that culture um i have a a manual our ops manual is probably 40 something pages now and i've typed every word in there and i've systematized it so a drunk monkey could do our water billing <laughs>
0: um, i mean it should be very simple but you probably so, still have to give that one benefits right <laughs> <you> probably yeah <laughs> monkey you have great medical care you're welcome i bet that was scary Yeah, you can't even get past. I like how you couldn't even get past the phone call. That, that is how low the bar is set with property management. I
1: I called yesterday, just yesterday, I personally called a a property in, in Monroe. We're looking at, I'm looking at potentially doing some new build stuff and I called the competition to see what their rents were. And it was almost a joke. The lady I got on the phone, it's a scraggly voice, doesn't sound like she cares to rent an apartment or not. And I mean, this is like a 150 unit complex and it sounds like it, it was terrible customer service.
0: Yeah, I bet they got a bargain, too. Right? Yeah, I bet they're
1: getting a great deal on that.
0: (laughs) I don't understand why they're not renting. Yeah. Uh, I was on the other side of that, too. I had to eventually fire multiple property management companies. I just... I knew I sucked at the stuff you're good at. There's no way I could run ai pro- can I can't. I don't even think I can hire people to run a property management <laughs> company. I just don't have that little piece of DNA you have. I'd be yelling and shit. Why isn't it done? You know, <laughs> right? It's tough. <laughs> Not the best management. Best management policy. Right. How did you figure out what software to use? Because this is really where. That's where. Yeah, that was huge. This is where the metal meets the meat. Right. You. You can hire the best people. You can give them the best training. You could. Build the most beautiful houses, do the greatest rehabs, get the best price. Right. Without software, you're 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 either flipping through folders or you have some sort of Excel spreadsheet going, and that's what
1: we did. We had, i have a buddy that used to—he uh, used to sell software to companies, and um, it was—it was called ERS, was their the the company name. And the joke was, it stood for Excel Replacement Software.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: it, it wasn't,
1: is. what it stood for. But that's what these there's multi million yeah. dollar companies running on Excel, and the, it's crazy.
0: It is. It is crazy. That's why why do you think I'm asking? Here's yeah. the
1: problem that, that I had with mine, and why I needed software. I had this elaborate – at this point, we had 50-some-odd units. I had a pretty elaborate system of spreadsheets to track. You don't want to miss any deductions when come tax time. You want to make sure you don't miss any rent coming in or whatever, right? I mean, you've got to track all kinds of numbers. So I have this huge spreadsheet system in Excel that if my office manager hits one button wrong and deletes a formula, this whole thing just goes haywire on me. Oh, yeah. That's not going to fly. No. So we needed a software. So I started, um, I looked at, there's, there's Appfolio, there's Buildium, there's Rent Manager. I mean, there's, you, you know, of all the softwares out there. I looked at them all. Um, I like the look and the feel of Buildium, and they gave me a month trial.
0: What is that? Build what?
1: Uh, it's Buildium. B-U-I-L-D-I-U-M. Okay. Um, I, I, I couldn't i couldn't uh, give a better reference for them they're awesome um they've got me too i can never switch um yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm too invested in it now but um they gave me a trial and i i sat down i put all of our info in i started with just that new apartment building i had at the time and this was right before i hired someone so i, I knew this had to be in, in place i put it all in and it was driving me absolutely nuts i ended up two two or three weeks in i ended up quitting using them It was crazy because I'm so used to my own way. I put everything in my own Excel spreadsheet. I do everything. I I understand the system because I made the system. Nobody else understood it, but I I had my own way of doing it and I could not wrap my mind around how Buildium did this, right? So I looked in at Rent Manager was the other one and there was one other I looked into and they were all similar. I just couldn't get my mind around how they wanted me to track everything. It's the accounting side of it. It's a little more involved than you initially think. So I quit. I, I ended up, hiring our our office manager and within the first few days i realized i have to have this software and we went back and that's when we both got on board on it
0: so what what were you doing differently than what the software was doing?
1: Everything. I mean, you, I had this simple, to me, it was logical, but it was a, a long spreadsheet, 50 some odd properties, right? <laughs> and it would have a column for date, a column for vendor, a column for uh, description of work and a column for amount. And I would, that's how I tracked all my expenses, right? Expense tracking. Well, imagine if somebody deletes one of those columns or one of those cells yeah, in Excel and you're your whole doomed. thing is, oh, so that wasn't going to work. So Buildium has you know a system for this that actually works. It just it takes a long time to understand. I, I'm not an account. I don't have an accounting degree. I know how to go like this, and houses get little, and like this, and the houses get big yeah. in an
0: airplane. I don't. Know, like, I don't know anything about accounting, so I had to do For those this. listening, he was, he, he was pretending to fire a plane. <laughs> big house, little house. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you hated it and you're like, fuck it, I'm not using it. Then you hired somebody and then two days later you're like, oh, great. Now I'm just – I have to.
1: Right. And so I was already – had most of our input – most of our info in there because you have to – it takes a long time to load your system, especially if you're an idiot like me and wait till you have 55 units to get software. Don't do that. Get it when you have 10 units and you can see the benefit and learn with it. Yeah. Um,
0: that's an excellent point. <laughs> but I had 55. You waited it. till you had an emergency on your hand. Oh, right? yeah. That's the
1: standard, right?
2: <gasps> <not>? My life. <laughs>
1: (laughs) And so then we just slowly learned it, and and I can look back, actually. I just did this not too long ago to show my office manager it's okay to email tech support. The first two months I had it, I emailed them a couple hundred times. Every day I'm emailing them for how to do something, and that's what I liked about them. They get right back to you. Mm. They have these people that sit there that know the software, and they'll email you right back in sometimes a few minutes. And the whole thing just started to open up, and now I feel like I know the software like the back of my hand, and so does my office manager. So does my project guy. We use it for everything. The nice thing is you, you spend one cent and don't put it in b- building It's going to flag you. So you cannot miss a single thing. It's impossible.
0: Wow. That's Which, amazing.
1: It's also very tedious because if you spend one cent, you've got to put it in building
0: yeah but it's very well it'll very make nice. you think of whether you want to buy that or not right you're yeah. like oh shit i gotta go back and play <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't really need this i can wait another which week
1: which alludes back to mitch going to Lowe's five times a day you our oh, policy man. is you spend it you put it in building them and so he's sitting at the <laughs> computer doing he was 200
0: receipts behind for a week once. he's like fuck my life all <laughs> yes. the receipts in there i didn't sign up for this <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we hours of the morning typing That's putting exactly. it in yeah but you do have to be that organized and that how much does something like this cost, though, right? So
1: that's where building them smart. These guys are no idiot here. They design this program and they do a monthly subscription. So. Um, it's actually pretty reasonable. We're up to, I think we have about 180 unit plans. I manage for other people through Epic property management. We have our own properties as well. Um, we have some dummy properties in there, whatever. Um, it's 180 bucks a month for 180 units, a buck a unit, right? Um, I think it goes up a little bit if you're on a smaller scale, 25 units might be 40 bucks a month or something, but well, well worth it. I think anything over like this seven, eight property point, you can see the benefit of it and anything over 20 properties. I think you need it. Um, building them or app folio or rent manager or one of these. Um. But what, where Buildium also makes a lot of money is we run all of our tenant screening through this.
0: Ah. So
1: we can run a full Buildium credit.
0: Buildium is smart. They're yeah, smart. I yeah. mean,
1: my, my Buildium bill every month is typically five, $600. Hmm. Um, but our screening goes through it and we make app fees to offset that screening. So for $18 per person, you can run credit, background and eviction check. And we have it set up to come back instantly because they did an office inspection for us and we have locking cabinets and paper shredders and all this crap. So. Because we run everything through there, and you can also do your your uh, 1099s and W-2s. They've got all kinds of little programs that, to make extra money, but it also makes your life easier. I sent out every 1099 this year without having to pay my accountant $500 or whatever he would charge me
0: to do that with three clicks. That's amazing. So it was yeah. it was nice. If you use it, though, right? Yeah, we, and we Is use it. Is it an app on I, the phone, too? Uh, BuildM's got an app. They've yeah. got
1: mobile access. Web. It's all in the cloud. Uh, somebody brought up a good point once. What happens if like their website goes down? Uh, we have to like turn out the lights. It's like losing power for us. Um, it's never happened, so maybe they have a bunch of backups.
0: I'm sure they but, do. Um, yeah. people yeah. who worry about that, they should be more concerned about planes and cars. And if they, if they <laughs> had any idea, just yeah. uh, how
1: it's all in the cloud, but you you can access it everywhere. Yeah. So um, anything we
0: do. It's gotta be in the cloud. And
1: it tracks, I mean, not only does it track accounting, uh, you know, rent payments, uh, uh, mostly our expenses. We're tracking all, you know, all of these expenses. If you spend a penny, it's in there. Um, we track our maintenance tasks in there. So if a tenant calls in with a maintenance request or emails a maintenance request in the system will put it in or we put it in manually. We track completion dates on those. We can look those up down the road to see if we have a recurring maintenance issue. You can run every report. If you want a rent roll right now my whole portfolio, one click. If you want to see what my 2015 financials were for one building, click. It, you can run all these reports yeah. at the touch That's of That's professional, button. too. It, very professional. Yeah. It makes it really takes you to that next level. It allows the tenants to make online payments. I mean, I could go on and on. It does everything. We track our applications. We do our screening. Uh, everything is in
0: there. Yeah, how do the tenants pay you? Can they pay you any way, or do they have, have to pay We have a couple you? of
1: ways. Yeah, you, There's drop boxes at the apartment buildings. We have a drop box at our office. Um, we have a system which is kind of old school, but we still have a few tenants that will go into Chase and deposit into an account in the company name. Um, we that's have that's some old school shit. That's right old there. school, yeah. mean, and then you've got to manually look that up and try to read their signature, and it's silly. So we most people though pay online. I think we're about seventy five percent online now. Yeah. We give them all the choice because you know if some people don't want to go on a computer and pay, and, and that's fine. I don't care. I want someone to pay rent. Yeah, how they do it isn't really my concern. So we give mm. them a couple methods. One method that we don't give them, we'll never give them, and we're not going to do it is check in the mail. Yeah, no, that check's always in the mail. Yeah,
0: it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I I just put it in yesterday. Like, yeah. look, you you fucking lying to me. Yeah. I know you're lying. It's to not me. an option. Yeah, you don't get to put the check. Well, you could put the check in the mail. I don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Talk to your talk to your postal worker. Let's talk about flips. All right. I know you much prefer rentals, but you do do flips, and it sounds like maybe more out of just I don't know. How, how'd you get started in flips, and why did you get started, and kind of walk me through your your all right? I got flipping started process. Because they're sexy. They're and sexy. And I wanted
1: to make you know thirty, forty grand at the time, and and that's how you do it, right? You want to make this big chunk of money. So that's how I got started in them. I did a couple on my own uh, back before I had any employees, and very very minimal actually what would happen is every time i'd finish one i'd say i want to keep this forever
0: yeah and and i
1: my wife would say you said you're gonna flip it so we need to flip <laughs> this thing. but um holding
0: you accountable
1: but what caused us to really start doing more is um i hired a project manager and one of the big uh one of i i you can't just add overhead for every person if you hire all these people and just add that overhead it, it's it really adds up right so i really needed a way to pay this guy without the the overhead every month and so my logic was i'll pay him partly on commission from flips i'll pay him 20% of net on our flips um that way the more money i make the more he makes and i'll also pay him a salary for working in our management business yeah a little flips. combo right yeah a little combo actually yeah. right? he did pretty good last year worked out pretty well yeah. but that means i need to do some flips so then we came up with a hybrid system where, okay, if I get a, if I make this a rental, you still get paid, just like pretty much if it was a flip, what we would have made, and it works out for everybody. Um, but that's why we started doing them. Um, the only other reason that I would that I was flipping before, besides to build the scale, was I had this silly line of credit where they wanted it paid to zero at one point every single year. So you had to you could have max out you the had line of credit, have but you had to hit cash, zero. Yeah. So I had to. Sell the house, bring the cash back in, and then I could borrow it again the next day.
0: What a silly requirement. Stupid. I wonder yeah. why they did that. I got rid of that. It was, did they ever explain to you why?
1: I don't know, but at the time, I'm just like, you want to give me 100 grand? Yeah. Where, where I mean, I obviously, sign? take the 100 grand, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: Yeah. I'm just, I, I can't think of a good reason why they'd want it paid back. Maybe they just want to see that you can do it. Maybe.
1: So, but every year, and it sounds every, like, I oh, want you to stand
0: point. right here on this X. Yep. And when you're done, you can have it back. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay.
1: But I was doing it. So we did a few flips that way. But, you know, the problem with flipping is, well, we made, we probably made 120 some odd I don't know. I don't care. I'll talk numbers with anybody. So yeah. we probably made about 120 grand flipping houses last year, That's which is good. really cool. Okay. And so you gotta pay taxes on that. That does suck. And that sucks bad.
0: Yeah. This is where the rental comes in this way better. This is where better. the
1: rental comes in way better because I can make way more money in rentals profit. I mean, money in the account and my depreciation is going to offset that. It's huge. You know, I ran through all the, all the things earlier that why rentals make money, but people don't think about depreciation. It's huge. It's basically tax free income, you know, and, and that, that depreciation can
0: last years. Twenty seven and a half and a half and a so half. A half. A lot
1: of ours will get more accelerated yeah. in some cases, but either way, yeah, you can't really. Right? It, it really I mean, and that's way above my you know, I I've got a pretty good accountant that handles this. Brian
0: Borowski or who do you use? I don't. I use a guy named
1: Jeff Campo, but Mel Smith okay. and Pivos. But I'll tell you what, I use guys I shouldn't have used. I used an accountant <laughs> that uh, he was charging me three hundred bucks to do my taxes. I had like 30 rentals and I'm like, oh, this guy is so cheap. This is great. That was really dumb. Yeah. Um my my new accountant is probably about more than ten times that, but this guy can has saved me tenfold and had to go back and redo the taxes that this guy was that was charging me three hundred bucks a year because he just didn't know what what he was doing. Um, so you pay a little bit more but you get what you pay for it with that kind of thing right and i'm i'm glad we made the change and actually my accountant came to me and said i just can't handle this anymore this is way over my head which was good i'm glad he did that <laughs>
0: that's a, that's a good human being right <laughs> okay. there yeah you got to know you got to know when to fold them too right that's actually one of the main problems i had i have a quitting problem what's I, that i hate to quit if i start something right? it doesn't matter how me bad too. at it it doesn't matter if i'm circling the toilet <laughs> <laughs> i'm yep. drowning i'm like fine I'm fine oh, I don't need
2: that's me i
1: just keep running into yeah. that glass door it's like
0: oh did you try walking around fuck you i'm not done yet <laughs> yeah so that's a good thing to actually do that i can do that now um but i still don't like it it's like losing a limb it's huh. good that he can do that yes let's talk about your apartment, your first apartment, the okay. 20, was it 24 unit?
1: Yeah, 24. We've still got it today.
0: And it was half. It was like half vacant, right? It was
1: so 42% occupied, so more than half vacant.
0: Almost 60% vacant. Yeah. How did you find it? What, first, um, why did you decide apartments? Why not just keep doing houses?
1: Because that's like buying 24 houses at once. So I thought, hey, you know, that was my logic. It's real
2: easy. I do <laughs> yeah, 24 once. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we, um, just like anything else, I've got... I've gotten to know a few commercial brokers in the area and, the, you know, the big thing with a commercial broker is at the end of the day, all they really care about is selling a, a property, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they get paid on commission. So I got to be buddies with some of these guys, but the key is to, I, I a couple of them I actually consider friends now. I really do. But the key is to let them know that you have the ability to close on a property. If they don't think you have the ability to close, they're going to move on to the next.
0: Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. Cause, Cause they get they paid make, commission. They need to get paid when this yeah. thing closes. They got so, wives, kids, spouses, husbands too. Right. So. so,
1: so a broker that we know brought us this deal is 24 unit deal. Um, And we went out and looked at it. I thought, okay, I can make this work. At that time, it was maybe 70% occupied, 65%. It was struggling, but they were getting by. Um, wrote an offer on it. Um, we're going to try to do this. I think we wrote an offer at uh, 550,000, maybe the first time around. I'm trying to think back. Um, going through the process, the seller says, you know what? I'm not going to sell it after all. I don't, I want to keep it. I think I can turn it around. And we're like, well, we want to buy
0: it. But whatever. <laughs> how the fuck does that happen? It happens a lot. Um, you can't do so, ju- Don't you get sued, though? You can't just. It depends
1: how good the listing brokers uh, listing agreement is. I yeah. know that I ended up not buying a apartment building is what happens. I can tell you about that from two yeah. weeks ago. But that's a game. So, OK, we'll play the game. Fine. We leave. You know, I left the door open. If you guys ever want to sell it, you know, we're, we're always we're we're looking to buy it. Um, Left it at that. Two years went by. That was like 2011. I mean, I would, this would have been way too early for me to probably buy that thing. But anyways, two years went by. The listing agreement with that broker had long since, long since expired and these sellers were still trying to run this apartment even less successfully now. Yeah. So they had gotten the thing to 42% occupancy and, um, the, the seller looked me up. Called us directly and said, hey, we really want to sell this thing now. In fact, we need to sell it. It's uh, October in J- in March or June or whenever it was. It's going to tax foreclosure. We're three years behind on property taxes. Damn. So talk about desperate seller. And yeah. I kind of knew that. So we ended up getting a, a, a deal put together at uh, 515 on it. So I got it actually lower than I would have got it a few years earlier. But it was in worse shape, more deferred maintenance, lower occupancy. So – I, I've done as much due diligence as I can do. At 42% occupancy, I know if they're all rented, it will definitely make money. And the rents were about it, it's it's almost all two bedroom units. Uh, like 22 out of 24 of them are two bedrooms, so the rents are about 575 a unit. So I know that if I can get them all filled at that 575, it'll be pretty profitable. It'll do well. My question is, and I don't know the answer, is why is it not full right now? Is it because the owners suck? They're not managing it well or is it because the, nobody wants to live in this building because location or because whatever, right? Yeah. So that's kind of an unknown. It's kind of a roll of the dice. Um, and that's what we we got into it. And we just did everything we we could do to try to, 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 to put our philosophy into it, which would be the nicest possible units, the most professional management you're going to find, just top notch, right? And you, what do you know? It worked. So we're at the point now. We're on that building. Every unit with the exception of maybe five original tenants is completely remodeled floor to ceiling. And there's some interesting numbers I'll hit on that, but every unit is, is with the exception of the five that haven't moved. We haven't turned yet is completely redone floor to ceiling, new kitchens, baths, all the same. Um, and the rents go from 575 to about 700. So here's what's interesting on those, those numbers. This is why multifamily is pretty cool. So that 125, sometimes $150 in rent that we could add. I'm gonna have to calculate this while I tell you. So, yeah, yeah. So I don't get this calculator. wrong. But, but okay, so I'm getting hot
0: and bothered with the zeros here, this Josh. Is good
1: stuff here. So 125 bucks a month. We're gonna do this remodel. We're gonna add 125 bucks a month in rent, right? Right. You would have to agree that I had zero expense because my expenses don't go up because my unit's nicer. It stays the same roughly. I could argue it goes down even, but 125 in rent times 12 months a year. That's 1,500, dollars right? Yep. In rent and and you know if that was 100 dollars you could do the math or 12 whatever. So fifteen hundred dollars a year at a ten cap, which is a, a simple valuation for a building, um, you would add fifteen thousand dollars in value to that building, right? Right. It's simple enough. That's how that's how cap rate works. Well, what do you know? That remodel cost me about eighty five hundred bucks for a full remodel, kitchen, bath, because we're doing them at scale, right? I've got the contractors in there doing the four units at a time. So for eight grand in expense, I can add fifteen thousand in building value, plus get more cash flow every month.
0: How'd you figure this out? You just, and you well, didn't know when you bought it. You I just, didn't
1: know. I just thought I would rehab them and get more rent. And then I saw what the market <laughs> would allow. Yeah. I, I knew, I always knew, and I, and I've stuck to it from, from the first nice re- rental remodel I did. I always knew that the nicer units just command that, that premium rent and they command that quality tenant. So I always wanted to work that way. I didn't have this master plan when I bought this that I'm going to add X amount in value, but it just, that's how it worked out. So we basically got the whole building remodeled. Um, I've been at hundred percent occupancy since the first probably eight, seven or eight months. I, I hit a hundred percent occupancy there. Um, and what do you know? Within a year and a half, I refinanced it and they valued the thing at a million bucks.
0: So you turn something. that thing around in seven months,
1: seven months, we had it full and then they wanted some stability for the refinance. Yeah, absolutely so right. I refinanced it in 14 months from the day I bought it to the day I refinance it. And they, the, Appraised it at basically double, 990 something
0: thousand. Wow. That's amazing.
1: That was the light bulb. How much of that did you get? Uh, a lot of it, yeah. um, so, yeah, we, <laughs> It's like okay. it 80% loan to value and yeah, and, and you can do the math at
0: home of, folks. Yeah.
1: I, I'm a big fan of, uh, leveraging my, my money. I don't want it sitting in equity. That's how we grow. As long as I still have a, a very safe debt service coverage ratio, which I always try to watch. Um, I, I'm a big fan of putting that money back to work and that went right back to work. I didn't go buy a bunch of, of yeah. BS.
0: I'm There's not a-, a Bentley out front. No, there's not, unfortunately.
1: Um, <laughs> but I, I put that money back to work and put it into more cash flowing real estate. And pretty much soon as I saw that happen, I wanted to find some more apartment buildings. And I am happy to announce that uh, we just hit 100 percent occupancy on our 53 unit, um, which we bought in June. Um, that's a whole nother story how that went.
0: But. Yeah, that's that's you're like a turnaround king now.
1: Well, that was a tr- that was a true turnaround player. You right you're gonna
0: go get a, an apartment turn you should go pitch an apartment turnaround tv show i should right at fuck yeah I have you to should say, i
1: gotta give it dis- you know i mean you're interesting put some-
0: you're smart you're hard working <laughs> wow. it would be fun to i don't even watch tv and i would watch that fuck that was show, cool i don't right? know i'd
1: want to do that again no i do that was that was a good hell point. yeah sure you it would was, it was stressful though man i'm telling you i think i almost had a nervous
0: breakdown I believe um, you. And that's when you were, you were you were doing that while you're hiring all these other fuckers trying to get your yes. business together, figuring out what software to do. I know. Man, I know. And we and I, work, and I, I go, go to
1: go to work too sometimes. So yeah. um, but but I did have some expense. I probably spent about hundred and thirty grand in all those rehabs. So you've got to take that out of or add that to the purchase price. But I still added a lot that's of that's like
0: six hundred and thirty thousand. Right. Yeah. Which you still create much. like three hundred and huge. I'm a
1: big advocate. I've
0: in 14 months. That's not bad. Where
1: when I first started doing this, that said that you should track your net worth every month.
2: Best thing I ever
1: did. I started doing this five years ago. And I mean, it was sad. It was just kind of moping along that wasn't going anywhere. And as we started buying rentals, it started going up and going up. And as we started basically flipping to ourself or we rehab a rental, but you know, we bought it with a 20 grand profit expectation. It's basically like flipping a house to yourself, Right. And as we started doing that, you see what that does to your net worth. You see what these apartment buildings will do, and it's just like a parabolic. It just it, it just skyrockets. What what you can that value you can add.
0: Debt recover. You said debt recovery rate. What is that? Debt service coverage ratio debt service coverage ratio. Yeah
1: it's DSCR for short is what you'll hear it
0: as. Well see this is new to me. What can you explain what that is and what what's the number you look in the head. Everything. I believe Um, you I just don't know. So the reason I
1: use that number to track my metric is because uh, that's what all pretty much all lenders that I know of use. Definitely all my commercial lenders are going to use and what that is, they'll actually use what's called a global DSCR, a global debt service coverage ratio. That is the amount of of revenue i'm sorry the amount of profit you make divided by your debt so let's do a simple number here if i make two hundred thousand dollars a year in profit and i have a hundred thousand dollars in debt i have a a dscr of two that'd be really good
0: that'd be really good right yeah so the higher the number the better
1: right so the usually the minimum is 1.2 so that means if you want to buy if you want to have a hundred thousand dollars in debt per year or whatever per month however you want to do it you need to have a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in profit
0: okay that makes sense. And you want that number to, the higher the number, higher the, the better. better everything, right? right better lenders rates. will work
1: with you above 1.2. They like to see a 1.25 and I try to shoot for 1.7 or higher. Okay. It's it's hard to do if you're really, a, if you're growing rapidly because there's so much expense in a new growth, but that's something I try to really watch that cushion. I think that's how you, in my opinion, it's how you stay out of trouble.
0: Well, yeah. And you're kind of doing something different. You're not, um, at least maybe maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like you're buying anything performing. You are um, essentially turning. For the, apartment buildings? Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you about my other apartment building then if you want to hear about that. I thought that was going to be an easy one. Yeah. Um, thought wrong, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's talk
0: about it. So All you right. have the, that's a 54 unit, right? It's 53. 53 yeah. unit, sorry. And
1: that one was um, came to us from actually the same commercial broker. Um, the benefit there was I had a pretty good relationship with this guy. Like I said, I consider him a friend and he brought it to me. I was the first guy to see it. He called me at 8.30 in the morning on a Tuesday or whatever it was and said, Hey, I've got this building in wind When can you see it? I said now. Yeah. And I was there at nine o'clock and at nine 30, I had a LOI in for it. I mean, that's how quick it went. I thought it was going to be nice and easy. It's a bigger building. It's actually the biggest apartment building in the city of wind which is kind of cool. Um, and it was 92% occupied, let's say somewhere in there, uh, you know, during due diligence, it's essentially full, you know, I'm not going to add much value by adding 8% occupancy um where i thought i could add value was there was a lot of deferred maintenance which caused the rents to be a touch lower and there was a lot of economic vacancy so that that's what we called at least basically people that lived there that maybe weren't consistently paying rent because the management was terrible yeah so i knew we could improve management but i thought this would be a money maker from day 1 and i would just slowly improve the quality by putting of the building by putting money back into it What actually happened was (laughs) it's a pain in the ass to have a building that's 92% occupied because you've got to kick out all the bad people to do the work. So we ended up going down to like 75 or 72% occupancy, getting all these people that were either not paying – not paying is easy. You can get them evicted quick or just generally a pain in the ass and disrupting all the other tenants' lives. And we had to go basically – revert, we had to go down in occupancy significantly to be able to build a stronger tenant base with higher, with better rents so we could put more money back
0: into the building. And it's that like was like rotten hard. wood, right? It was hidden. You didn't see it. You had to cut it all yes. out to fix it. And you're like, ah. Oh.
1: And I'm, and I was dreaming of that time when I had that empty apartment building and I could just go in and fix up the units and get more rent because now I have to get this idiot out of here to get somebody else who's actually a good person in here paying a higher rent because they have a nicer unit and that's a much harder process so it actually didn't go quite as planned at all but but we're finally starting to see the the benefits of it hmm. it's been it's only been we bought it in june so not even a year yet
0: how much you pay for that one
1: 1.65 million
0: 1.65 what do you think it's worth now
1: um i don't know hopefully more than about <laughs> 1.9 because i put <laughs> about 250 into it
0: so, yeah so um, I'm sure it is, yeah. right? Yeah. We're
1: we're really starting to um we usually raise rents um March and September kind of the shoulder months right there. Um and so a, 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 obviously we've got to raise rents. We put so much money into this building, new laundry, new carpeting in the hallways, new all these common area things that you generally make the building better. A 60 some thousand dollar parking lot job. Um you've got to somehow raise rent for that, but we've also improved a lot of the units. As people every unit we turn, someone moves out, gets a full rehab. And that Gooses the rent by, in this case, it's probably about 80 to 100 bucks a month.
0: How much rehab are you putting into the unit on average? Uh,
1: A full remodel in here, we're probably spending about six on this. It doesn't need as much as that Rockwood building. That Rockwood building was basically like ready to be bulldozed. Damn. Um, It was bad. It was like, I mean, everything was wrong. There was like duct tape holding pipes
2: together and stuff. It was just a
0: joke. I'm always amazed by, I don't know why I say that because I did this to myself too. It's amazing how far, I'll say it that way. It's amazing how far. Humans will let things go before they do something I am about amazed, it sometimes. I say this
1: all the time. I am amazed that someone can have an asset worth several million dollars like the one I just bought in Wyandotte and let it get in the condition they like. Is let it
0: not amazing? Yeah. You're
1: managing a multi-million dollar asset and you're managing it through a, a paper notebook and with no skill involved.
0: That is amazing. Where'd they get the money to do this?
1: Actually, you know what? They had money from other businesses and that's what happens. They, I've seen a couple times people have money from another business. They've done very well in construction or in the medical industry or whatever that industry may be. They want to get into multifamily or apartment investing. It seems more passive, whatever, and they go about it all wrong. Mm. And that, that's the case I've seen a lot. Um, there, there's a lot of mismanaged buildings out there, especially in that size. I think once you get to the hundred plus unit buildings, you're getting a little bit more professional, but yeah, you're
0: getting probably more corporate management at that point, right? right? REITs, hedge funds, shit like that, right. eating up the space because they got a pl- they need a place to park millions, sure. tens of millions, and hundreds of millions, right?
1: I looked at a 604 unit building um recently, a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was amazing at the professionalism they had there. Just that that's next level stuff. That's yeah. what we want to be, dude. That sounds awesome.
0: How do you? So do you have any staff on site at your apartment or how do you, how do you cause uh, right. it's like a hybrid, right? Like it's yeah. not, it's not single family home. So it's a little different. What We're, do you do differently?
1: Yeah. So, you know, 53 units is not quite enough to justify on site staff. In my opinion, um, I'm sure our staff spends a lot of time there, but uh, we run everything out of this office right here. It's real centrally located with our portfolio. And since we've been so tight knit on where we acquire, it's basically a, a jumping off point for everyone. Yeah. So our maintenance man works out of here. Um, he'll, he might spend a lot of time at that building, but he's not ever there. Our leasing agents schedule appointments on a showing on an appointment basis. Um, everything that you would need to ever do, can we can drive there in five minutes. So it works well.
0: Something you brought up that I thought was interesting, I'm curious about it. Tenants that pay their rent but are problem tenants that scare away other good-paying Tenants you alluded to. Yeah. There were some of those in the 53 units. That is the worst. Yeah. How do you get rid of tenants like that?
1: Well, I mean, generally speaking, you... First of all, it's if, if someone doesn't pay rent, it's easy. You get yeah. them out, no problem. That's, that's These assholes usually pay
0: their rent, don't Unfortunately, they? Unfortunately, when these yeah. guys
1: are paying their rent, you've got a little bit different case, and that has to do with how the laws are set up. So, if someone doesn't pay rent, it's a seven day notice. If you want to terminate someone's lease, first their lease has to be expired or to a point where you can terminate it, or you need a violation of the lease for them to terminate it. But either way, it's a thirty day notice. So instead of giving them a letter that says, "In seven days, I'm sending this to to schedule a court appointment." You have to say, in 30 days, we're going to schedule a court appointment. So now they have 30 days, they know that then we're going to file an appointment or or the attorney is going to file with the courts to get on the docket. And that might take another three weeks. So they're looking at probably two months by the time they even come to court. Yeah. And then if they show up in court, then they have all the excuses for why they aren't an asshole and you have to try to prove why they are and and luckily we have software that we track every phone call gets documented for you know what was said just like if you call you know Chase Bank they're going to know when they talked to you 2 months ago and you called them a asshole or
0: something
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and That's he called in me
0: inappropriate names. <laughs> yes. Uh. So
1: luckily we've only had maybe one or two like that that we've had to get out. Um, And sometimes you're able to reason them out of there. But we had one that took it full term to court and everything. And we were able to get them at the basically the very end of this two and a half month process to sign a release of possession and move.
0: Was, what were they doing that was adding? um Oh God! Because it's um, like it's like one bad apple. It was. I've like seen one, this happen in Detroit multiple and you times. Get them out because I, yeah, it's like a disease. destroying
1: everybody else's living conditions. Uh, they were driving through the parking lot at like forty miles an hour. They were <laughs> throwing trash outside their apartment door that people had to walk through. They just like throw their trash bag out. It spilled into the hallway. And really? They're blasting music at all hours of the day and night. They were. If anybody confronted them about it, hey, can you turn that down? They're cuss them out and threaten them and just you name it
0: yeah sounds Tennis, like my neighborhood police on
1: them all the time i mean it was just like a total nightmare it was like yeah. if we don't get this guy out of here we're gonna be at 42 percent Yeah,
0: move back to the shithole you came from <laughs>
1: right
0: <laughs> you obviously like it better there anyway your yeah. people are there you'll have a great time with other assholes who like throwing <laughs> their garbage everywhere right i can only imagine well i know exactly what it's like to live next to that oh man so three months get that person out yeah what is a due diligence like on a 53 unit? I mean, how long is it? What you got to do something, right? Do you yeah. every lease look through the books? Cause so sellers are liars. And
1: that's the thing. And, and the bigger the building gets the, the, the less you can do on due diligence as as far as on a per lease or per unit basis, I think, but generally speaking um, for us, first, I'm going to analyze the property based on the numbers presented to me. So a broker brings me a deal, says the rent is this, says the expenses are this. I'm going to analyze the deal.
0: What would be a good number for, Uh, for argument's sake? like okay. we'll make it a good deal. Right. So they're going like to gonna a cap rate or yeah, whatever. whatever number you use. I like
1: to buy somewhere. If I can get a 10 cap around here, I'll buy it. I might look as low as a nine cap in these cities. It really depends on the market. You go up to like uh, Rochester, you're gonna be looking at a seven cap and that's a cap rate. And that's basically, you know what a cap rate is, right? So we, yeah,
0: but let's okay. explain it for everybody. Okay. So, right?
1: so your cap rate is just your net operating income divided by your purchase price and your net operating income is your gross income minus all your expenses Um, with the exception of mortgage, you don't count financing in there. So that gets you your cap rate. So I'm generally looking for that metric because I'm going to hold these things forever. If you're going to potentially flip it, you might want to get into what's called an IRR, internal rate of return, but that it gets pretty complex at that.
0: What would be a good internal rate of return?
1: I mean, realistically, you're getting in the 18 to 20% range because you're, you're, you're goosing that return by the sell. Um, my strategy is not really to, my strategy is to hold these things indefinitely. I'm in it for cash flow. I'm in it for that passive income. Um, that's what I want to create. So, um, when you do get this package from the broker, um, you're going to have your income expense. That's pretty easy to determine if he's telling the truth or not. I'm going to verify this down the road, but I know generally what rents are in the area. So I know that you're not renting your two bedroom apartment for a thousand dollars a month. So we got a rough idea. We're in the ballpark. Expenses are where people usually lie. They somehow forget a bunch of these expenses. I mean, I've somehow. seen crazy stuff like, like, oh, you don't have lawn care at this building? Really? That's cool. I mean, people forget management expense all the time. You name it. So what I do on expenses is I have a, an analysis spreadsheet I run. Um, that I had a I have this guy who's an Excel genius who drafted this up for me. It's really cool. But put in all these expense numbers. You put your your top line rent number, all these expense numbers, and it gives you an NOI. It gives you a cap rate. You can factor in financing. But That's I net operating
0: income, right? NOI. That, NOI yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: So I naturally will take those expenses and put them at fifty percent or more. If I pay the heat there, fifty five percent minimum. I don't care if the seller told me thirty. I'm not. It's not thirty. No, I know. For, for us, especially with a professional management in place, and if you're going to actually fix things when they break and, and do things like you should, it's 50%. Why would you want to do that, Josh? No. <laughs>
0: Let it get worse and sell it in desperation <laughs> 10 years from now. Right. That's, that's the plan for some <laughs> guys.
1: So it's 50% expenses. And, and and now, you know, roughly what the ballpark's going to be. So if you can get apartment building under contract and, and the numbers look good at 50% expenses with rents that look realistic, now it's just verifying. Now you're just looking for any outliers basically. So, um, as on the expense side we'll start there you're looking for is there some crazy utility bills that you're not seeing because maybe they have the most inefficient i don't know toilets in the building or whatever is there a really high property tax bill comes up occasionally that's one we're working with now we're appealing um there's all kinds of weird expenses that usually you can fix that expense if it's if it's a far outlier but maybe there's a case where you can't maybe it's a property tax bill that that they've tried to appeal and, and they haven't been successful and that can kill you. Some cities are just really high tax. So you, you look at those things and if it all still kind of makes sense and, and f- to analyze it, I mean, I'll go as far as looking at every DTE bill for the last year. Um, I'll go and look at every contract for the, that they have for snow removal, for landscaping, if they have pest control, whatever trash. Contract. Is
0: this via email or how do you get all this in, stuff? In
1: due diligence, you request from the seller. I want these docs. I want your performance numbers, and I want all these documents, and they pretty much have to give them to you.
0: All right, so they like ship them to you, mail them to you, something like that. Yeah, I mean, this guy on this 53 unit building—you can imagine—like
1: I was picking up literally cardboard boxes at his office because they were all pen and paper. So, um, and then the last thing he did is I did a lease audit, and you go through every lease. You're not—you're checking not only rent matches what he told you on the rent roll. So you get your total income number, but you're also checking security deposit because you don't want him to say I had no deposits and then all the tenants want their deposits back at the end.
0: Oh yeah, That'd that's be bad. Mess. So yeah. it's called
1: a lease audit. And so that took some time to go through a release. How long does that take? You know, Probably the least audit was the most tedious of it, it took me a couple of days to do and between myself and my office manager working on it, it's really just verifying numbers you know and we actually did find a few discrepancies that you have to go back and get him to correct but it's not, nothing was nothing was way out of line he wasn't trying to lie to us he had underreported some expenses which I think he truly believed were less than they were
0: he was just a bad accountant right
1: but luckily yeah. I had ri- written my offer based on, what the expenses I thought would be at roughly 50%.
0: So it all worked out. So we, we actually, that's, that's a good point. So yeah, fuck the offer he's asking for. You took the numbers, oh, put every, it into your spreadsheet. Yep. This is what I think is more realistic. Major offer that way. Yes. And so you're, you're less likely to have a negotiation problem after your due diligence period because you already planned for the worst case, right? Right. Well,
1: and, and that's the thing. And and honestly, 50% expenses is what they're going to be. If you're going to run this right, that's what they're going to be. If you're going to do a half ass job and not fix anything, not have professional management, you might be able to manage for 35 or 40% of gross rent as an expense number. But if you're going to do it right, it's going to be 50. So I just, I underwrite my deals that way. Every deal that comes to me, I probably look at two to three a week minimum and most of the time, I don't buy them because most of the time we're three, four, five hundred thousand dollars apart on a million and a half dollar deal. Yeah, too far. It's it's way too far, and I'll write the offer still, but a lot of times it's not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, you're and, just and you're writing it because you did the work and you right. might get accepted, but probably.
1: It's, I can analyze one of these deals in ten minutes now. I've gotten better at it. But other another part of due diligence is is the physical inspections. So yeah, gotta get there. Yeah, you you know it sounds daunting, right? Fifty three units. We gotta walk every single unit here and check everything's right. We did it in about four hours. It actually went way better than I thought. Um, I was really dreading it. Had my project manager, had myself, had their manager there, and we she she had a good system in place. We went from one one side of the building to the other.
0: Did, did you take year. pictures or what documentation no, do you so do? We used
1: a little bit of logic. I think what we said is okay if someone is living here. Then you know the hot water heater works and the furnace works. All right? We're talking about a million and a half plus dollar deal. I'm not going to nitpick if the furnace is a little bit old or whatever. I don't really give a shit. I'm, I'm big picture. You know that, that this is a livable unit. No one's living without hot water, or without heat.
0: Yeah. They'd be complaining, they'd right? They'd be complaining. Yeah, or, they,
1: or they would tell you when you walk in or whatever. So I didn't put, you know, too much time. Like if we look at a house, let's say we're gonna flip, we'll look how old the furnace Absolutely, is, and look yeah. at all these details. I didn't really care. I looked at the general overall condition and actually I was checking to make sure it was occupied. How do I know they didn't fake a lease and Absolutely, put Joe Bob in there and question. it's a vacant. So we went through every unit and verified it was occupied. We had a little checklist we ran down, general condition, and I would call out a couple numbers my project guy would jot them down. We'd rate the bathroom a three on a one to five and whatever. Um, we had this little system in place and four hours we knocked them all out. And I felt satisfied that I had an idea of the condition of the building. Um, and then common areas, we had a couple of our vendors come out to quote like a parking lot replacement. So we knew what that would be. And we basically planned for what we're going to do before we close on the deal.
0: Did you hire any professional inspectors? that
1: one, we didn't have any actual professional inspection on it because I got, I, I did on my first building and I think it was almost a waste of money. Um, not that you shouldn't hire professional inspectors, but what I did instead on this one was the roof. I had my roofer come and look at it. Tell me how much life is left, which I trust my roofer. I work with them all the time. Yeah. I had a, a concrete guy that we use come out and quote me the parking lot. I knew that had to be replaced. That was no secret. Um, we had a plumber come out and look at some of the, the main plumbing areas. There's a couple of, of areas where all the plumbing comes together. And we had him check check that area out. Um, we could tell the electrical was updated. I don't think our electrician came out to it. But we generally had the big component guys come take a look at if anything jumped out at them. They're the guys that do this every day. They're the guys I'm gonna call if something breaks. And that pretty much satisfied my I was able to sleep at night.
0: Okay. That's an interesting way to do it. How long was your due diligence period start to finish on their fifty three unit? Um
1: you always can negotiate that. I think we typically will do thirty days and that's okay. plenty as long as you're getting the docs from the seller.
0: Yeah. Did you have to do any renegotiation afterwards or We
1: did on this one. I think we started at 1.75 million knowing we would negotiate down the broker knew we would negotiate down and we ended up closing at 1.65 million. The big sticking point on this one was the parking lot replacement which um, we were estimating to be somewhere around 80 to 100,000. We ended up getting it for 62. But that was a lesson in don't take the cheapest guy. So
0: that yeah. Was,
1: <laughs> that was a nightmare. It came out really good, but it was a lot of stress going through that. <laughs>
0: That's a big ass parking lot, right there. That's 62, a lot of concrete. In concrete, right? Yeah, that was a lot of concrete. Concrete's expensive, dude. Yeah, so it was
1: three hundred thirty yards. So, it was yeah. a, if you do the dude, math, it was an extremely good deal.
0: <laughs> that is an enormous amount yeah, of concrete. And that wasn't even the
1: entire parking lot. We only did about seventy percent of it because the rest was in good
0: shape. How many fucking truckloads was that? Uh, <laughs> that's
1: nine yards per truck. So
0: I don't oh, know, man. forty trucks or something. Yeah, they. Yeah, you made somebody happy. Yeah, it's good for the economy, Josh. Yeah, I think the guy kind (laughs) of
1: underbid the job. That was a whole other story. But we went with a guy that was way less than our next bid was about eighty something, and we went with the guy for sixty two grand and did a good job. It was all permitted. I knew he was gonna he was gonna have to at least do it to code. But uh, there were days when I wondered if that concrete truck was gonna show up or not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. He maybe needs to do his math a little better next time, right? Yeah. Is he still around?
1: Yeah, he is. I mean, I, you know, he he entered into a deal and he satisfied his end of it, so I can't complain. But That's I think true. he underbid it.
0: Yeah, maybe cut it a little, little too tight. Yeah. Were there any mistakes you you think you made in either one of your apartment purchases, or things that you would do differently on your next one? I'm curious about that.
1: You know, I don't know if you'd call it mistakes, but generally, if if I could find a way to put the improvements in quicker the quicker you can get these units up to speed the quicker you can get these units basically top notch where where our criteria is for a rentable unit the better and i think especially at that rockwood building that first one i didn't really have the capital in place i mean i bought this and i had like 20 grand left and i think i'm gonna do all these remodels well that got me like two remodels yeah common area stuff you know
0: so you have to patchwork that shit together yeah
1: which i'm still I, i would still buy it when i did because you have to buy something even if you don't Even if that's all you can do is buy the building, I think you can work from there. But if if I could do it again, I would be more aggressive at lining up funds for rehab because the quicker you get those things rehabbed, the quicker you can increase that rent, the quicker you can get that better quality tenant in there and get that thing cash flowing.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like the lenders do want a period of time after you've stabilized the building, right, and improved it. So the sooner you start, the sooner you get paid because – I'm assuming you borrowed private money for most of this, right?
1: No, I I had not. You know what? I didn't think there was private money that I could ever get until this summer. It was the first time I ever borrowed private money six months ago. Wow. So, yeah, I did it all with blanket refinance money and scraping together where I can get it.
0: That's amazing you did all that. Unless you consider, like,
1: one note from, like, family that basically lent to us because they knew we... Yeah, you know that doesn't
0: count. No, it does not count. <laughs> and it's it it's a, a start. It's but, a start, but it wasn't much. True yeah. private
1: money. Someone has to really believe in you, and uh, absolutely a right.
0: There's game. negotiation. You oh, talk. Yeah. You got it. You gotta. There's yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff. So. Get all your money ready first, and then just blitz the rehab and get there if quicker. If there's any right?
1: way to do it, the quicker you can get that rehab yeah. done, the better.
0: Obviously, you're happy you did it the way you did it because it got you where you're at. But got me a building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. way to don't, go. Don't
1: don't not buy a building because you don't have everything ready to go. But if there's a way that when you get in there, you can aggressively rehab that. You know, most people will never even rehab rentals to the level we do, and I think that's a huge mistake. But if you can, if you take that to heart and you really do want to provide the best quality rental, you're going to see the benefits of it, and it applies to apartments just as well as houses.
0: Mm. So that's impressive. What do you? What do you? Are you still flipping houses too? While you do all this, or
1: occasionally, yeah. So we'd had. Um, I talked about the big glut of houses we had last fall. We had eight of them going at the same time, and a couple other stragglers that either started or finished in there. Um, they were all going to be flips. Um, The reason that was is because I'd actually used some private money for the first time for them, and I needed to pay back those lenders. Yeah, yeah. But I was able to find a way to restructure that with a blanket loan, pay off all my private lenders with a blanket loan. I walked with about $150,000, and I got eight rentals out of it. Damn. So I, I will flip if I need to, but I'd much, much rather keep them as long-term buy and hold.
0: Yeah, and paying your guy anyway out of the… He still gets paid his Yeah, cut, refi so yeah, money. Yeah. yeah.
1: He was getting his cut, so everybody won.
0: Here's what I want right now, because obviously I know, but not as well as you know, or I would have fucking done it. Give me your rental versus wholesale flip pitch from... Why do
1: I do rentals versus the other? Yeah, yeah, because
0: everybody's... I mean, there's all the courses, right, on TV, you know, flip and wholesale, you're going to be wholesale. Where's the... And... Buy the house and fix it up and rent out and slowly collect your money over time. <laughs> don't worry. When it comes to tax time, you get to this great thing called depreciate. That, that shit's harder to sell, right? Right. But, it is. But after listening to you for two hours, if you're not hot and bothered by those numbers, I don't know what'll get you there. So I think now we have them where we want them, yeah. so to speak. It's time to knock them out, man.
1: All right. Well, I mean, like, deliver like I said the finishing before, blow. The rental, you're gonna make money in five different ways. You've got your cash flow, appreciation, depreciation, principal pay down, and Jeremy's favorite favorite, the inflation induced debt destruction. I love that. Inflation you got five ways reduce. to make money there, and they're all working for you at the same time, potentially. If you're flipping houses, you've got one way to make money, and there's a lot of problems that can get in the way of that. And then once you make that money, the tax man's gonna take 20 to 40% of it, depending on where you sit. So that sucks. If you ask me flipping's out, right. Then you go to wholesaling. I I know a lot of guys do it. and, And a lot of guys are great at it. If most newbies are attracted to wholesaling. And the crazy thing about that to me is wholesaling is probably the hardest niche to get into. Cause not only do you have to understand the purchase, the rehab cost, the, the acquisition of the property. You have to understand every facet of real estate what the exit strategy may be. You also have to find a, find a seller who's going to sell you this property with enough equity in it. So you make money and your in buyer can still make money. Oh, and then you have to go find that in buyer too. This, that sounds like a lot of work to me and you've got to really know what you're doing. I think guys can make money wholesaling, but starting out, you, you basically are starting at at the top of the market as far as knowledge and, and trying to, to make this philosophy work for a new guy. Uh, I'm not a fan.
0: That is an excellent point. And yes, it is that fucking difficult. Sometimes I wonder why I do it, <laughs> especially if I'm just sitting down talking about fucker like you. I'm like, I have wasted my life. <laughs> <laughs> my talent is in the wrong things. Ah, I'm so angry. Depreciation taxes. And when you take those loans out, they're tax free too. They are. That's, that's, that's the crazy part. Yeah. It, it, if you wouldn't know any better, you would think your government wanted you to go get that. right?
1: (laughs) Here's another little benefit too. It's just a small little niche thing, but it probably saved me $20,000 last year alone in cold, hard cash. You're flipping a house. Let's say you're going to, but if you have the option to make that house a rental, what that does to your selling position is huge. When you go to sell a house as a flipper, most flippers need to get out of that house quick. They need to pay off that private lender, pay off that note, whatever it is. If you have the option to hold that house as a rental, you're not in a fire sell scenario. So if you don't get a buyer for two weeks or whatever, you're not worried about I need to drop this price. I need a buyer right now. What we had come up a couple different times was we get an appraisal that came in four or five grand low for whatever reason. When that appraisal came in low, naturally a flipper that needs to sell the house is just gonna drop that price four or five yeah. grand, take that hit.
0: Or split the difference or something, right? Right.
1: Not me. When we're flipping, we've got our line in the sand at 20 grand. If we're not gonna make 20 grand, we're not selling it. I'm not kidding. At 199, we're not selling that house. So when that appraisal comes in and that's going to kick our profit down to $16,000 or something, we say, sorry, we're not lowering the price. Funny how the buyer that couldn't find that money before says, oh, I do have five (laughs) extra thousand
0: I looked under the couch cushion. Turns out I do have extra that money. Happened,
1: that has happened several times. So you're not at the mercy of these appraisers as much as well. So having that rental strategy is, it, it actually can complement if you do decide to flip a couple houses.
0: Well, I can tell you from personal experience that multiple exit strategies is a way better way to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you have one exit strategy, yes. your life can become difficult and impossible very quickly. So. That's true. What do you think were some of the biggest? Um, I don't want to say mistakes, but errors, human errors. Um, things you learned that you would that you would do differently because now you're like five, six years into this, right? Yeah,
1: I think we're about uh, six and a half years. Yeah, into it now, now you it doesn't know, feel like it, but
0: I always ask the question: If you can do it all over again, what would you do differently? But that's kind of like if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle, right? <laughs> so I try and ask it in different ways. Uh, um, what would you do differently on moving forward, right? Um, yeah. If, if you had a time travel machine, Josh.
1: Well, I think, you know, it's easy to say going forward, we're implementing systems. We're working from a much more strategic standpoint than we were day one. If I was starting over day one, I actually get a lot of joy out of helping new people. There's, I, I have helped a lot of brand new guys get their first couple houses. And, and I think I, I honestly like to take some credit for it. Um, a, a buddy of mine, Grant, who you know from some of the Renegade. Yeah. Grant went from zero to eight units. I that think I met him boss. with one unit. He did one or whatever to eight units in a four month period or something crazy like that. This guy is just out there killing it.
0: You I need to send him a message too. I like that guy.
1: He'd be a good podcast guest, I think. But uh, he's just out there, and he's this guy is has basically the same feeling I had when I started. Just I'm I don't care what it takes. I want to do this, um, and. and I guess starting over, if I could do it again, if I would have just had a little bit of knowledge or I didn't have anyone to guide me, like I'm guiding Grant or or some of these other guys that I met. I met Calper at his second ever meetup. I met Tom Wooderson. I think he's been all these guys that are around here just killing it. Um, a lot of these guys I've met from day one. And, and I like to think I've had a little bit of input in helping them get to where they are. Um, they've obviously far exceeded what I can help them with. Uh, some of these guys are killing it. But my point is, is that I didn't have anybody to help me. I didn't even know what a rear group was until I had seven houses. Um, and man, if I just had something like Renegade Group or, or, or some of these other meetups in the area, um, at bigger pockets, I wasn't on that for, I didn't, I don't even know if, if I'd heard of it until 10 houses in, um, that would have been a huge help. So seek that knowledge. Most, if someone's listening to this, they're already way ahead of the game.
0: Yeah. I think so too. That's why do you think I started Renegade Detroit? Yeah. I, I started doing this in bumfuck nowhere, Pullman, Washington, <laughs> which is like 55,000 people of which 35,000 of them are students and staff at at Washington State University and the other 15,000 are wheat farmers and their families, right? <laughs> Out in the middle of nowhere, there's no RIA, there's no meeting, there's the whole economy is wheat and university. <laughs> nobody to talk to about this and everybody we talk to about it, they're like they look at you like you were talking about Something from another planet like, oh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Why don't you just grow weed or get a university try? Like, <laughs> there was nothing. So one of the reasons why we wanted to move to Detroit was to be around more people. And we moved to 4.4 million people. And I'm amazed by how many people just sit at home. <laughs> right. Like, holy shit, you have all these people who know all these things. Until so I went to the meetings I'm like, oh, never mind. Now, now I understand <laughs> it's just a pitch fest. And so th- that's one of the reasons why we started Renegade. And there are other ones. I really like Tom Otterman's um, the BP
1: meetup. That's yeah. A good one, we right? were not allowed
0: to call it that. It's the Metro oh, Detroit not. real estate. I fuck bigger so. pockets. Yeah. <laughs> I have personal vendetta against them. Um, Oakland Rhea is a little boring sometimes, but lots of people, lots right. of good stuff. I like Emria too, if you're listening. Uh, but don't, Don't take my word for it. Go to them all. You know, in fact, I would say go and the ones that aren't free, get a membership and go because Josh is right. I've but I wish I could have met you 10 years ago, Josh, let me (laughs) put it to you. Well, I wish that I'd have
1: found way. you guys' groups ten years ago and met you guys as well because it would have saved me a lot Hell of money yeah, lot, I'd have right? bought that first house on land contract.
0: Where was these free fuck where were these free fucking podcasts, right? That you can yeah. listen to and <laughs> listen to people literally tell exactly how they did everything. <laughs> you know, Fifty thousand dollars and you got, you know, two sentences that were maybe helpful. Right. right? So you kind of cool, I think. Um You're a pilot and you have a plane. You bought your own plane. Let's talk about this because this is not just – this is business too, right? Sure. But it's business and pleasure, right? Sure.
1: Well – Airplanes are historically not money makers. Actually, in the <laughs> history of the airlines, if you look it up, um, they have, they have historically not made money. You add up all the years of profit and loss and there's more loss than there is profit. How are they in the still industry. in business? I, well, it used to be government subsidized back until the late seventies. So it, that might be changing a little bit. I think Delta just announced their most profitable year ever, some ridiculous amount of money. But the point is airline airplanes really don't make money. That being said, I love aviation. I love flying. Doing it for the airlines, not so much, but actually flying, it's the ultimate freedom. It really is. It's probably the reason that I do all this real estate stuff. In the end of the day, I, I have this vision of I don't have any job. I, I'm not cut out for this 40 hour a week thing at all. I, I just have this freedom to go hop in my airplane and fly. We just got back from the Bahamas and Turks and Caicos last week. You, know, you flew? We flew our airplane down. We actually took two. One of my buddy Mitch, my project guy, yeah. flew on, and uh, and we hopped all around the Bahamas. For
0: Damn, Mitch that. got a bonus.
1: So, yeah, it was nice.
0: Hell yeah. Um, what plane do you have, man?
1: I have a, a Piper Saratoga now. It's actually, I'm on my second airplane ever. Problem with airplanes is I, my first one was, a was a little trainer, just a little Piper Cherokee. This one's a, a much, much nicer uh, six seat Piper Saratoga with all the bells and whistles and glass cockpit and turbocharge and everything you can need. It's about the best single engine airplane you're going to find here. Um, Very, very efficient, which is why I went for it. Um, The problem with airplanes is there's, always something better and faster. That guy in his Citation 10 is like, fuck my Citation 10. I need a G4. And that guy <laughs> in the G4 is like, I want the Boeing
0: I want a G10. <laughs> yeah.
1: So there's always something better, but it is the ultimate freedom. And this thing is, th- this this newer airplane to me, I've only had it for not even a year on this one. Uh, I've had it out to California. I've had it down to uh, the Bahamas and the Caribbean. I've had it out to Cape Cod and and Martha's Vineyard and New York and all over. I mean, we could take we can go anywhere in this thing. And it is just the ultimate freedom. So it's not a profitable thing. I I do a little charter company that we run charter for. Occasionally, I'll do a real estate broker or somebody who needs to get somewhere. But um, generally, it's not profitable. I basically do it at cost just to justify the airplane.
0: Justify the airplane. <laughs> justify. Justify. <laughs> there just, you go. A <laughs> uh, uh, little wordplay right there. That is pretty cool. How many miles to the gallon does your beast get?
1: You know what, mine actually has uh, one of the computers in there will tell you. On a good day, I'm getting about nine miles per gallon, which is really efficient for airplanes. Yeah, um,
0: it's like so a 1970s Ford.
1: That's like towing us, but wheel way trailer. faster. Like new truck, it gets about nine miles a gallon. Yeah. I find so um, it's actually not that inefficient from that standpoint. The problem is AvGas. If even right now, a good a cheap price on AvGas is like four fifty a gallon. And you can pay as much as eight bucks a gallon for fuel. So
0: eight bucks a gallon. Yeah, it adds up. Jesus, that's (coughs) that's why our plane tickets are so high. Right. Yeah. I bet that's fun though. How often do you get up there?
1: uh, As much as I can. I mean, last month was good. I probably got about thirty hours in it last month. Uh, There's some months not as much as I'd like, but at least every other week, um, I. I try to actually go somewhere with it. It's one thing to go, um, you know, we'll take you along flying up the river or something. One of these days, go do something like that's cool. But what's, what I enjoy more is just having a destination, you know, even if it's put in bay for lunch, that's only 15 minutes or so. Um, You know, that's, that's cool. I, I take guys to do that all the time or Burke Lake front's a good one. That's Cleveland area. Um, I like to go somewhere with a goal in mind, spend the night, go on a trip. You know, that's what I like to use it for.
0: Well, yeah, if you're going to get something like that, it's uh, it's kind of like um a vacation home or something. Yeah. Use a damn thing, right? It, right? Yeah. Use it. Or what, what's all this hard work for? If I'm not, if I'm That's not going to use it, I bet it is pretty, it is pretty cool. Where's some of the cool places. I mean, sounds like you went to the Bahamas. Uh, what' yeah, some of the cool just, places you flew to?
1: Uh, well, we just hopped all around the Bahamas, several different, we're not, we're talking small islands, not NASA or Freeport. We're talking a place called Black Point um, Exuma, this tiny little island, 2700 foot runway. Uh, Cat Island. That's not
0: much uh, of a runway.
1: Uh, no, it was pretty sketchy. Um, there was some, <laughs> it was a lot different. It, what we thought we were getting into was not what it was, but it was very When cool. you were
0: flying when you are I don't know, flying up to it, flying down to it, we were like,
1: huh. Yeah. It do I have enough gas to get runway. to a bigger one? It was like one? an old shitty road, actually, is more what it was like. Oh my god. <laughs> but it was cool. And there was all these, uh, that was really neat. Turks and Caicos was really cool. Um, we've taken up to Mackinac Island. You can fly onto the island. You can't drive cars there. you can fly an airplane on.
0: Well, yeah. Um, Cause you have money.
1: So yeah, maybe that's it. Right. Yeah. Fuck
0: the people in <laughs> their cars. They pick you up in a horse drawn
1: yeah. carriage. You feel like royalty.
0: Um, as well as there a red carpet, Josh,
1: they throw red carpets out. Hell yeah. That's mad? what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. yeah. So I, you name it. I mean, I, I've been quite a few places in this thing, but I got a lot more to go. Long Island, Cape Cod, all over the place. Uh, Austin is in the very near future. I got a buddy down there. Uh, I took it out to Lake Tahoe and opt all over California and Oregon. Um, That is so cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is awesome. You know, this question is coming. What's the deepest shit you've been in, in your airplane, right? I Uh, mean, obviously you have to plan.
1: Yeah. Generally, you know, things
0: going wrong.
1: I've had, you know, every problem I've ever had in, Pretty much a a general aviation airplane. You know, at the airlines, it's very, very structured. You've got everything you do. If you're going to flip a switch, there's a procedure for when and why you should flip that switch. So it's you don't really get in trouble in those as much, I don't think. I mean, I've had some funny things come up that I'm sure people probably would not want to know about (laughs) But uh, at the airlines. But in my own airplane… Uh, to be honest, you learn from mistakes. And so some of the things that I've caused to happen were mostly getting familiar with a new airplane. Um, I had a time where I shut off the fuel on the ground and I didn't know I shut it off, which is good thing you're on the ground. Luckily, my the way I've been. You should trained, be
0: able to turn the fuel off with a switch, right?
1: Right. There's a lever, and basically, I went past the stop that I didn't know about, and I thought back to, it and I thought, man, if I was a thousand feet in the air or something real low, I would have not been able to get this restarted. But then I also thought, well, that's the reason that my training to- tells me, and I've always been ingrained to only change fuel at high altitude or when you're on the ground, yeah. In case something. So it's funny how that all works, which is
0: what keeps that's a you good alive, point, right? right? Yeah. So, which is what we want to do.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there's been times when I've said, I'm really glad I went. Went to the best aviation school in the country because it helps you sometimes what you were trained to do
0: yeah uh, that was well that was two hundred thousand dollars well spent from that point of yeah, view right
1: that one that one fuel shutoff thing was probably
0: like <laughs> all right you might only in. get one opportunity <laughs> but and really, there went josh
1: really pretty you know if anything scary is going to come up it's pretty much self-induced and the name of the game is stay calm and and try to always fly things procedurally i mean as well as i know that airplane I, it's still going to get a checklist run for everything i do um it's just I'm not smart enough to, to not miss something if I don't run a checklist. So
0: you gotta have a checklist. Yes. Um, I'm very familiar with checklists, uh, United States Navy. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, oh. uh, we boiled water splitting <laughs> atoms. You want to talk about checklists? Uh huh. There was some procedures we had to do where there was a person performing the procedure, the person reading from the book with the procedure, checking it off, making sure the procedures followed, The engine room supervisor supervising the person (laughs) reading (laughs) and it goes one more than the engineering watch officer or engineering supervisor. I can't remember. The officer sometimes some valves needed four people to turn. But the stakes are high sometimes, right? Like it's like your fuel switch or fuel lever. Yep. Do it on the ground or in the way up up.
1: in the air so you can figure out what you just did.
0: (laughs) So you can do it wrong boy so nothing too scary has ever happened to you while you're flying
1: no i mean you you try to avoid the weather obviously i i I play it much more safe than we, you know, we could, we could get into tougher situations, but I always just try to avoid it. Usually I've got friends or family on board that for one, they're not pilots and they don't like to get bumped around. So we just avoid it, you know, and for two, you want to keep everybody safe. So we, we, you know, I avoid the bad situations and not, not to say something couldn't go wrong. It's a machine machines break, but there's a procedure for pretty much everything. You stay calm and work your way through that checklist or that procedure and, there, it's actually a pretty safe uh, way to travel. It's honestly safer than driving your car. It down is America safer.
0: Road. I was going to say that. It doesn't seem safer, but right. uh, it is safer. Right. Is it something like? Um, was it fifty five thousand uh, vehicular deaths every year in the United States?
1: I wouldn't. I'm sure it's going up with all the texting and driving around. It's, and it's all going that, down so. actually. It's going oh, down. I th- in
0: fact, it might be lower. That might be an older number, but it's still tens of thousands and. I don't even, I don't know what the number is for aviation, but it's small. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe a hundred or unless you're Malaysia Airlines and can't <laughs> yeah. even find the fucking yeah. thing. Yeah. don't get in them. They lose their airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> I, after the second one, I was like, well, that's it. You know, nobody's <laughs> two, <laughs> two. It was like a year, a year and a half. Like yeah. that's done. Yeah. Was, whatever the, you just, you just quit and go, go do something else. <laughs> Did you have any problem getting your girlfriend and then your wife on board with what you were doing? You know, not at all.
1: She's the most supportive. Just it's it could be bad because she has so much blind faith in me that I could say we're going to go buy this rundown building in okay. Detroit and we're going to make it into the next you know Empire State Building and she'd say, okay, good job, I think that'll be great. She just she's too supportive in a way. Um, so she no, she's always been on board, but she's also doesn't care too much about it. I, mean, I had to give her directions to our fifty three unit apartment building the other day and it's a mile away.
0: That is
1: hilarious.
0: <laughs> Where is it again? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, baby. Yeah. I was actually, Gina and I were at the Detroit Detroit athletic club. If I can't speak. Um, right. Keith Stonehouse, which by the way, he came on here. Um, Michigan realtor masterminds, go check him out. He was on the podcast. Go listen to his podcast about networking and David. I can't remember his name, but they did the, um, God, let me pull it up real quick on the picture. It was funny. You said that because, um, you want to buy an empty building in Detroit? So he bought an empty skyscraper, a couple of them now. And as uh, rehab, I'm going to pull up the – I can't remember what the name of the building was. So I'm going to – it's absolutely beautiful, though. I want to go take my wife to it now. Uh, where is it? Here we go. Sorry that for the for everybody listening. This is a little boring. But uh, it was really cool. It was like third – here it is. The David Whitney building. Mixed use residential. Oh, cool! Yeah, I think it was. Um, was it? Forty floors, thirty wow. floors, something. Like it decent size, not the biggest one in Detroit. And um, he was telling me at one point, I didn't realize this. At one point in 2010, they were calling them dinosaurs. There were 39 vacant skyscrapers in Detroit. Wow! In 2010, and he let me know today that there's one. That's impressive. One.
1: Maybe I wish I did buy one of those.
0: You better hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> if he's right, there's one left and it has your name on it, wow. Josh. I don't know what you can get for that. And he didn't tell us which one, I I might add. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't point us in the direction of which one that was, but maybe there is there. All right. So now I, I want to open it up. Do you call this best practices, um, success routines, Apps, software, books, um, podcasts, morning routines, fitness routines—whatever w- you do, do you think has contributed to your success and has helped you? Books, maybe a book that you would have gifted. Sure. So books, books
1: are huge. I mean, I think you
0: know you, Let's you sit down
1: it. and I, I have the the standard list of books. I think probably most everybody um, at least has heard of them or should have read them. You start with—I I think I started with Rich Dad Poor Dad, you know, and that. That opens your mind to decoupling the time for dollars approach and what it is to, to actually have a business where people work for you, even when you're sleeping, that type of thing. Um, then I, I've expanded into, okay, now I'm running a business. Well, the e-myth, I, I'm sure most people have read the e-myth book, but, but it's, it's amazing how many little businesses are out there and they're really just run by one person who's basically self-employed. Um, and they're just running ragged because they don't have enough time to even think about, putting systems in place and getting people to work for them so they can grow that business. They're too stuck in the day to day. So the e-myth was huge for that. Um, there's um, gosh, what's a, a good one. I just read um, there's a new, the, what's the new Gary Keller book? The one, uh, one thing. Yeah.
0: The one thing. Uh, yeah. That, Dude, that was, I love that one. That
1: was a great book about, yeah. about really focusing. And I, I, I still struggle with that. I'll find myself doing something and I'll say, this is not the best use of my time right now. I really need to delegate this out and, and go look at that next building. Go find that next funding package. So I think as I grow, I keep finding problems with our business that I could improve upon. And, and there's somebody else has had this problem somewhere because right now, I was talking with uh, with Mike Cowper just the other night at dinner, and yeah, we're a real estate business right now, and we do real estate. But really, I'm just a business, and real estate is just my medium. Um, really, it's running a business is is what I need to work on and what I need to focus on and what we need to grow. It's it's pretty cut and dry what we do. It's pretty basic. You can you can train anybody to find a house, fix a house up, and put a tenant in there. That's not very hard. Um, what we, what I need to do is learn, work more on running a business and growing systems and, and working myself out of that. And that's where I think I'll, most investors are never getting to that point. Most investors are going to get capped at 20, 25 houses, not know how to put systems in place. And, and, and I think they'll have a hard time getting to the next level. But if you want from right now, my goal is 10,000 plus units. I think we can get to 10,000 plus units, buying apartment buildings, syndicating deals. Um, the only way to do that is to have the best systems that you can have and, and, and use them on a daily basis.
0: Mm. Damn 10,000 units. How long do you think it'll take you?
1: I don't know. I never thought I'd get to 130. So I'm not as good at setting a goal and saying by this date, I know that that's a really good approach for some people. I've just never really been into that. For one, I tend to, to, work so aggressively towards it and then be let down if I don't get there. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that 10 X rule, another book that, that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so w- what we've done is we've tried to set ourselves up. And so the point that we could sustain this on a level that that's much, much more than we are now. So right now we're you know, 175, 180 units or so under management, we could easily manage with these same systems in place, probably 10 times these number of units, then we might have to look at the business differently. And that's, that's what I want to keep setting up. And so eventually I think if I just focus on just like in the beginning, how am I going to buy that very next house right now? I just focus on how am I going to buy that very next apartment building, that very next house or package of houses. And we will get to 10,000 units. It, it will work itself out. I think.
0: And six years ago, you didn't have on nothing, nothing shit ton of debt, bunch of debt. Shitty thirty thousand dollar a year flying job. Mm -hmm. Doing the exact same thing from a different seat.
1: Yes. It was bad.
0: Your file got moved (laughs) to a hundred and how many units? Hundred and We
1: have a hundred I own 132 units today. 132 units. And that should be growing. We're out looking at deals. All oh the yeah, time. all the time.
0: All the time. Y- y- while we're doing this podcast right now, there's there's an army of epic property management <laughs> workers scouring Southeast Michigan for deals. Right? Yes. yes. Man, do you do you have a morning routine? What time do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? Do you oh, sleep? I still
1: have a real job. Technically, I take that's a lot true. of time off from that job. And and what I the reason I've kept it so long for one, they pay us a shitload of money for what we do, so that's hard to turn down. Um, but. Uh, they, I'm I'm able to work a real compact schedule, so I can work, uh, you know, from four to midnight a couple nights a week, and over the weekends, and basically I have every weekday uh, to myself. I can take time off when I need. So um, after. This coming Sunday, I don't have a, a day of work at my real job, if you will, um, for a month, a little over a month. So I, I, I work it in spurts like that now. And, and it's it's on its way out, I think. Um, but it's it's been a very nice tool to get me to where we are. It's been a very nice income that's helped. Yeah,
0: especially um, in the beginning to get those oh, yeah, um, it was those loans, sure. I right? Mean, I, I, yeah. I'm
1: thankful that I that I fell into this job too. I just a lot of it was luck, um, or being in the right place at the right time, or whatever. But the you know what do they say? The harder you work, the luckier you get.
0: I find luck has a lot to do with recognizing opportunity and a Absolutely. lot less with luck.
1: <laughs> well, that's it. You know? you know, so if you
0: don't know what gold is, you can walk on it all day and not realize right. what you have beneath your feet. Right.
1: Right. And I'm not a fan of working for anybody. And I mean, even you know, $150,000 plus a year job is is great but i would feel let if that was all i ever did with my life man what a waste i think i would look back and just regret that and so that's i i put i'm glad that i had it i'm glad that i had the opportunity to 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 have that kind of job and it's it's a really cool uh thing to do being in aviation anything about aviation is really I, it just gets me excited but uh but this is where my real passion is in, in business and in growing a real estate company and um uh, making ugly things pretty again and and people loving what you do people i mean we have we had a tenant the other day that uh that my, my office manager told me she cried when she walked in the unit. People love what we're doing. People love that they have the chance to live I in a place that like that. I love that somebody
0: cried, yeah. So
1: I know, that's kind of crazy. We probably didn't rent to her. She's yeah. probably loopy. But. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you can't stay because you're all emotional and shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, but so no, my routine, I, I get off track here, but no, I, I – I try to get up and get going. I do find I, I'm definitely not a morning person at all, but I do find that if I can get up and get going before everybody else does, then my phone's not ringing, my email's not ringing, and I can get those – those I can focus much, much better. I can get more done between 7 and 9 a.m. than I can from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, so that's part of my – I, I try to incorporate that into life, but otherwise, it's uh, I'm out there every day, just doing what needs to be done. Trying to what look. What time do you go to bed? And, uh, as it comes around, I just whatever happens. Damn, um, I don't. You know, I, I do want to try to get up and, and hit that morning running. So um, I find I got to stay away from the going out partying scene. When I was younger, I'd go drinking and get, wake up the next day and be. It's fine. amazing and, how that changes. Yeah, huh? now it's like a two day event.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> two week event. What have I done? Yes. And obviously, you don't watch any TV anything like that. We don't like have that. TV or yeah. anything like that. I just don't have time for yeah, it. Yeah, fuck or, that shit. Not or, making you any money. No, exactly. No. Hey, how's Bernie Sanders going to pay for all his shit if he can't <laughs> steal it from you, Josh? <laughs> you know I couldn't let that slip. I love, I lo- I hope you're listening to this and you go home and you fucking cry on your giant pillow.
2: <laughs> you he hurt my Bernie Sanders feelings.
0: That's, that's what I hope. Actually, I don't give a shit who you vote for. Vote for whoever you want. Was there anything? Oh, I almost forgot. I can't believe I almost forgot this. What is the dream jet? My
1: ultimate. Airplane. Yeah, you
0: got 10,000 units, man. Right. What, what, what Bravo? jet are you going to have? It better be a right. fucking Apache or See, something. See, I'm, like I'm a, a realistic helicopter.
1: guy. I hear we're talking about airplanes. I think I'm realistic. So my next level, I want to get, I want to get something called a Pilatus. It's like a 10, 8 to 10 seat turboprop. It's efficient. It is, airplane speak it's very efficient it's fast it can get into really cool places still short runways so that's my next level goal short runways i'm you know i i'm big on thinking about what's the very next thing i'm going to do right I, i'm the big picture that's not so much me it tends to work itself out but this pilatus is a pretty badass airplane it's about a 2 million dollar airplane all right. At some point soon, I'm going to have that. A couple years, probably. And that's what's what's
0: the airplane you have now?
1: The airplane I have now, price wise, yeah, uh, three hundred and ten. I bought it for it's all right. So pretty nice airplane. This is almost
0: so. ten times more. Right, but my last one was thirty. So okay, it, you're heading that's the right direction. we not even at thirty. So, that's yeah. Spend more in a car. Yeah. Is that used? You have to tinker on it?
1: Yeah, it was slow and it was actually not a bad little airplane, but it's just a trainer. You can pick up airplanes for that price. So that's my next goal. Beyond that, I don't know, some type of jet, Gulfstream, something, but we're not, I'm not really looking at that level of stuff right now. I'm looking at what can we realistically do? And that's something I'd love to find a way to. I love airplanes. I love aviation. I'd love to find a way to work it into our real estate business, whether that be apartment buildings in another city.
0: We what about Epic Airlines?
1: <laughs> well, I do have a little charter company. It's called JK Aviation. JK um, Aviation. It'll, yeah, we'll never make money with that. But it, Hey,
0: it, how do you know? The, the 200 well, people that listen to this podcast might want to pay you to Delta take that. Delta Airlines
1: up. can't make money. <laughs> but yeah. but I do it to keep the airplane flying, and, and that's something that's just a passion of mine, aviation. I'm I'm constantly taking – I bet you I've taken half the RDI group up flying. You ask most of those guys, and, and anybody I, – I love doing it. Anytime. Let's go.
0: <laughs> you have my number. Text me. Holla. It's, it's a fun thing to do, man. Yeah. Hell, yeah, it is. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about or didn't speak about that you would now's your opportunity if I miss mm. something? I don't know, man. I think we
1: pretty much covered it here. I tried
0: to be thorough.
1: Yeah, you're thorough.
0: Um, there is some other things I could ask, but I want to save some for the next time too. I want to check. Is it okay if I check in with you in like six months to year, see where man. you're at? I'm yeah. happy to. It's impressive. Well, thank you. Um, I had a great time. I'm glad I waited as long as I did. Um, I think I have better equipment, better, better understanding of where this I want like to go being with on a real
1: pod. live TV show here. Guys. If you can't, if you don't watch the video, I don't know. This is, uh, this is legit.
0: Yeah. If you're listening to it just, um, and I should thank Steve for that, who listened to the first couple of podcasts. I'm like, this is shit. Nobody's going to listen to your shit. If it sounds like that, you need good stuff. And if you think I know how to do any of this, I don't, I just took pictures of how Steve set it up. <laughs> and I just I actually don't know any of this stuff is. So I want to thank my guest, Josh Sterling for his time today. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it in his beautiful office. Um, go check out what he's doing, man. Josh Sterling, epic property management, go to epicpropertymanagement.com, 734-225-6934. Pretty awesome stuff. And if you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, come on, man, give it a like, share it. And actually, what would really help, And now that I'm 28 podcasts in, I know, um, if you can rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, um, and if you're going to rate, give me a shitty rating, maybe uh, give me the opportunity, send me a message, maybe (laughs) maybe I get better before you rate it. I'd be careful what I ask for here, right? But I would appreciate it, and it it really would help. And if you have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if and when I ever figure out how to edit these YouTube videos and get them up, you can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. As I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. Nobody's going to bail you out. Nobody's going to help you except you. I know. They're distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, lots of things preventing you from starting and finishing what your goals, what you're trying to do. Pick one. Pick a goal. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day, or as we say in Detroit, every day to get you closer to your goals, even if it's one step. All right? And I do want to say thank you for listening. I really do appreciate your attention. I know you can be doing lots of other things right now. Until I catch you guys on the next podcast, crush it.